On today's episode of the Wave Podcast, we have the Orioles are officially the 2023 AL East champions, and not only that, they are the number one seed in the American League. The regular season is over, we are headed into the postseason, and the Orioles are currently the host of the Road to the World Series in the American League. 101 wins to close out the season, it's been an incredible year, we break it all down, we talk about what a ride it's been, and we also talk a little bit of postseason baseball. Transitioning to the Ravens, the Ravens are coming off a big win in Cleveland over the Browns 28-3. to We talk about the defense, we talk about Lamar, we talk about Todd Munkin, we break down everything out of the Ravens-Browns game from last week. We're also looking ahead to this week. The Ravens are going into Pittsburgh, currently as a three-and-a-half point favorite. We're talking injuries, we're talking who's going to be available, who's coming back to practice, the headlines going into this game, the Steelers' offensive woes. And as always, Josh and I both give our keys to victory for this game against Pittsburgh coming up. Good friend and recurring guest Mark Roach joins the show to talk MLB postseason baseball. Roach is a big baseball guy, big Sox fan, too bad for him. But he jumps on and we preview every matchup in the wild card round. We talk about the potential matchups in the divisional and the champion series. And obviously we have to give our picks for the World Series this year. Also talking college football, big week six slate. Josh gives his games to look out for. And as always, I send you guys out with my best bets for the NFL of week five. Thank you all for tuning in. Massive episode. Thank you for coming back. Here we go. Episode 73. Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. Today is Thursday, October 5th, 2023. Josh, we are officially in October, man. It finally, like, it feels like fall. It it actually, like, officially feels like football season. And we got playoff baseball. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's, it's a great time of year. One of the most underrated times of year. You have playoff baseball going on. You have NFL football in full swing. And hockey starts up in, like, a week or two. So, yeah. Great, great time to be a just be a fan of sports right now. It's gonna get it's gonna get awesome for sure. It's yeah, we are we're knocking on the door of like the best time as a sports fan. Did you see the uh, did you see the announcement from ESPN that they're gonna have um like basically a red zone for hockey coming out in the next couple weeks? I did see that. I didn't look too much into it, but I saw the concept of it. I think it's good. I I honestly think it's great for a casual fan. Um, yes. I can just throw on a random hockey game and be fine with ESPN plus or whatever, like streaming, like service that you're using right now. Um, yep. I can just, I can do that casually and just like do something else in the background. So I love it. Um, and now I have a game, way to watch everybody play. And, uh, I think that's awesome. I think this could be really good for a casual fan who doesn't know a lot about hockey and they see like a highlights, like a big hit or a goal or a fight or something like that. I think it's a great investment by ESPN to finally invest in hockey. So it's awesome. Yeah. Dude, and that was exactly where my head went when I saw the headline today. I was like, this is awesome for people like me who like respect the sport, want to kind of get into it and 
aren't like the diehards like you and like Scoot and like people who are like super, super into it that, like you said, can just kind of throw on any game and watch it or kind of have it on the back while you do some other stuff. It's going to be awesome because like I think the headline uh, or like the, the title of the article that I saw was um, that it's basically going to have like every power play every time um, like somebody is I think it was like that holding possession or something something hockey related that was like pressuring on offense. Yeah, I definitely know that power play was in it, but there was terminology and it's going to be hosted by John Butchergross, which is awesome. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a home run for for hockey as a whole, the NHL, the whole hockey fandom community. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about that as well. We get started what, in like three weeks or so. What do you say? We get started pretty soon for hockey, right? Like three, four. Oh, we weeks, get started. Like we that. we get started in a week. Like I legit think the season starts oh, next shit. Tuesday. Yeah, like let me check my schedule real quick. I know pre preseason quietly has been going on, and like the Cavs have slowly yeah, been like starting their roster. Yeah, stuff like I knew that. that. I knew they had been playing preseason. Um, I heard somebody talking about uh, puck drops tonight, and I was like, whoa. I didn't realize it was yeah. like that quick of a turnaround, though, for for the start of the regular season. It's pretty quick. Um, let me see real quick when the season starts. Um, schedules yeah, or sports, I just, whatever. I just kind of assumed that hockey started uh, like around, kind of like Thanksgiving, like when the NBA started around then. But damn, yeah. I didn't realize they were getting started so quickly. It. I legit think it starts in a week. Like we are, Man. like we're here. Like we yeah. are, like we're about we're about ready for it. So um, I could be wrong about that, but I think it starts in a week. So we're we're rolling. It's about to be a really wonderful time. So yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, all right. Well, anyway, speak to sports that are going on now. Uh, we had quite a bit happen in the last week. Um, obviously, on this week we're much uh, more upbeat than we were last week, coming off a loss. Um, so we're going to get to the Ravens in a little bit. Obviously, we're going to break down the game. We're going to go into this week's matchup like we normally do every week. Um, before we do, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Orioles. Um, not a ton to talk about as far as, like, you know, depth because obviously we haven't played in, in a little bit. Uh, but I just wanted to cover the weekend and the end of the regular season. Uh, Josh, last couple weeks, you and I have been talking about the Orioles a good bit. Obviously, for the bulk of the season when Scoot was still jumping on here, we talked about the Orioles at length, uh, and we got really, really into it over the course of the season. Um, the regular season is concluded, as we all know, uh, and the Orioles are currently sitting. We're recording this on Wednesday. The Orioles are currently sitting as the number one seed in the AL. Obviously, they won the AL East. 101 wins on the season. Um, and, and and like I said, they're the number one seed in the AL East. The, the road to the World Series through the AL runs through Baltimore. And that that to me, like, it doesn't even feel real when I say it. Like, I honestly can't believe it. It's been such a good season. It's been such a fun season. Like, the season has been so enjoyable as a fan. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. I'm just at the point now where, like, I don't want it to end because of how much fun as a fan I'm having. Even back in, like, even back in, like, 2014 and 2016, that was fun as a fan, obviously, because we were you know, decent. We went to the playoffs and whatnot. But it it doesn't feel nearly as as good as it as it has this, this season. It feels absolutely amazing to be a Baltimore Orioles fan right now. This team is humming. Um, this is the most complete team I've ever seen from the Orioles. This is a fun baseball club to watch. Like you said, I'm I I am having fun watching this team play. I make it a point to watch this team play. I'm literally scheduling my weekend off. Like man, when can I like? 
I even got some stuff to do this week. And I'm like, man, what can I do to watch this team play? Like, I got to watch this team play. Like, my whole weekend is going to be basically revolved around the Orioles, especially my Saturday. And that's like 100%. over college football. And you know that I love college football. So oh, we yeah. are. Um, As you see, you're on a Wednesday night watching a. Uh, a, a yeah, I'm literally USA watching. A, <laughs> I'm watching a conference USA game right now, watching like while this is going on. So, yeah, this is an amazing, um, an amazing opportunity for us. I one thing that I've been like kind of like thinking about and kind of like just just processing throughout this whole team of like, gosh, like can this team really win a world series? Um, and I like, I try not to ask myself that question because, um, because you don't want to get wrapped up in like the end game of it all. You just want to enjoy the ride. Like right. I, I make that mistake right. with Ravens all the time. I'm like, okay, we don't want a Super Bowl. This season's a failure. Every single year, every single year, every single year. <laughs> I just, and I like actively get pissed. I'm like, no, those are good seasons that we had. We just didn't, we came up short, especially when we were younger with like the early Joe Flacco days. I'm like, no, those are good seasons. Just, Missed our mark, except 2011. We don't talk about 2011. That was like the worst yeah, year that, ever. That didn't happen. So, um, with that being said, I'm really just trying to, especially I'm older now. I've never really seen the world like the Orioles team this good. Um, like mm-hmm. what 100 plus wins, only the sixth time in franchise history that we've done that. Um, yep. I'm really just trying to enjoy this ride. I think we can do it. I think it's okay to believe that we can do it. I'm just trying to figure out what's like where's the ro- where's the bump and rope going to come and how's the team's going to respond although i do think the mm-hmm. team will respond well because we talked about it last couple of weeks how close this team is together so yeah we're excited 100%. one o'clock saturday cannot come soon enough for me and that is like i'm saying that after having work, like i will literally like by this everything leading up to like saturday for me is like working a football game going to a mm-hmm. concert like getting back at 3 a.m and then like i think i have another concert to go to saturday night and then like the oreos game between <laughs> there so like i'm jam-packed like but 100%. I'm excited Dude, for it. It's good to get That's, I mean, this is, this is, this is what we live for sports fans. Like, you know, talked about it a little bit, a couple minutes ago, fall is busy for everybody. Just, you know, sports and otherwise good stuff going on in fall, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, playoff baseball and, and your teams. And it's like you said, appointment television, you're marking your calendar between all the other stuff in between a, a full slate of college football, which our listeners obviously know how you feel about college football, like you said. Right. So yeah, it's it's a huge deal, man. It's the first time we've won over a hundred wins or a hundred games since I think nineteen seventy nine. Um, it's uh the first time we've won the division since two thousand fourteen. So obviously, like nine years. It's it's just been so much fun. And when we talk about the capability that they have of going on a run, the AL is good. Like there are, you know, we're like I said, we're recording this on Wednesday night. The AL, excuse me, AL Wild is wrapped up. Uh, the Orioles are going to be playing the Rangers starting Saturday, and uh, the Twins are going to be playing Astros. Um, the Twins looked really good in yeah. uh, in my in my in my postseason preview uh, that I did with uh, our buddy Mark Roach that you guys are going to hear in a little bit. Um, I I predicted the Blue Jays. I think in two, I thought the Blue Jays were going to go into Minnesota and get a sweep just because of one the the postseason experience that they have in that lineup, um, but also just because of how talented they were. And the Twins, credit to them, man, they hit. Their bullpen came in and shut the door, and I thought they looked really good. And the same can be said about the Rangers. Obviously, the Rays didn't play very well. They made a bunch of errors and really didn't put up many runs offensively. But the Rangers went into Tampa and got it done. So, yeah, the the AL is good. We know about Houston and what they're capable of. We've seen it time and time again over the last few years. Um, and then you look on the other side. The Dodgers are a wagon. The Braves are a wagon. Philly is good. Miami could end up stealing a game or even the wild card series in the next couple nights with Philly. Um, and then I'm currently watching the Milwaukee, Arizona series. These, these teams are battling it out too. Like they're all these teams are here for a reason. It's not a, it's not a mistake that these guys got here. 
So I'd love you. I completely 100% agree. I don't want to get wrapped up in the, the end game of it all. Um, but, you know, on the other side of that coin, you talk about how they've responded to adversity and how tight that they feel. I feel like that is, is really the mindset in, in the locker room. All year, our, our longest lo- uh, losing streak of the season is four. And I believe it was Jeff Passan or maybe somebody else was talking about how that's a bigger deal than people are making it out to be because they really don't let one loss kind of snowball and they respond really well to losing games. So if there's any team that could get smacked in the mouth in the first game of a series and respond, I think it's the Orioles because we've seen it, you know, they don't, they don't really take things and, you know, let that impact the next game or, you know, the next weekend or whatever it may be. So I definitely think they have a chance. They've played really well all season. And I feel like I've kind of been waiting for them to not play well and kind of, you know, revert to the mean. And up until now, I mean, knock on wood, they just haven't. Everybody's played really well. Bradish is probably going to be your game one starter on Saturday. It'll be between Grayson and John Means on Sunday would be my guess. Um, and, and, you know, our lineup has produced. Granted, it's not been as consistent especially lately, as I think a lot of fans would want. Um, but we've seen this team put up a lot of runs, do a lot of good stuff offensively. So in terms of how they hold up to everybody else, I like our shot. I, th- I think they can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody in the, in the major leagues. Yeah, to quote a former uh, manager of ours, uh, the great Buck Showalter, uh, quote, I-, I like our guys. I like our guys a lot. I like our guys. I like our guys a lot. I think that we can get it done. I think offensively, like, we can compete with any of them. I think we're just loaded in positions like just all around the diamond and all around the field. Defensively, we're pretty solid. We don't really commit a whole lot of errors or make any dumb plays. Mm-hmm. Our base running has been excellent, which is something I don't think I've ever really said about an Orioles team. Um, we could just get timely hitting, which I think, which, yeah, I, with, we can get timely hitting, which I think this team can do. I think we look good. Um, one thing about this, I know you're about to go into your previous, so I won't jump too much into it, but one thing I found interesting <laughs> is that um, – there are not a lot of blue bloods, blue bloods in this uh, in this playoff like series as a whole. I think you have the Braves, which would be, I would think most people consider blue blood. The Dodgers, yeah. sort of, and um, yeah. Would you put the? I guess the Astros kind of like new like new money kind of blue blood, like a consistent team They're, that you would see up there. Yeah, the Astros. I look at the Astros, and, you know, you talk about blue bloods. I look at the Astros this way. I look at Villanova. I don't know if they're technically considered a blue blood. Villanova, I mean, in college basketball. I don't know yeah, if they're yeah. technically considered a blue blood, but as far as, like, our generation, like, I think I've seen the Astros in the playoffs more than I haven't in my life since the Astros right. have been a team. So, right. yeah, I, I would definitely consider them there. No, that's actually a great point I didn't even think about. You know, no Yankees, no Red Sox. Uh, who else? The, uh, the Giants aren't in it. The Giants obviously nope. spread franchise. Cardinals aren't. Cardinals aren't in it. Uh, Chicago Cubs aren't. Cubs in aren't it. in it. Yeah. So it's a wide like when like as far as like organization wise, it's pretty wide open, um, which is a really cool thing. But it's also scary because you don't know who to really look out for and who's going to be the big <laughs> bad team literally like to dethrone you. But um, I'm okay with not really rooting for a specific matchup because I think we stack both a lot of different teams. And someone pointed this out a couple I years agree. ago, which I didn't. I didn't remember this at all. But the last time we rooted for the matchup, we got swept by the Royals in 2014. Exactly. So, I I like our guys. I like our chances. I'm curious to see how everything plays out. Um, we got a couple days till it all kicks off. So, um, hopefully, we don't come out rusty. That's something I am always concerned about the long layover. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the team, like I said, the team doesn't really lose a lot of games because, like, often 
I think ever since Adley Rushman got called up, we haven't lost like a regular season series at all. So it'll be kind of ironic in like the uh, first we, series. We haven't, haven't been swept since Adley. I'm, I'm, up, my apologies. My yeah. apologies. I've not been no, swept you're good. in a regular season series. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. We don't lose three games. We basically don't lose three or four games in a row. So let's see what happens with that. Right. So. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for the playoff run. And like I said, I'm my main concern, not even concern, but my main thing with this team is like I just don't want it to be over because like I said, I've loved everything about this team so far this season and I want to see them go as long as possible just selfishly. I want to watch them play baseball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Uh obviously the other piece of news kind of on the negative side was that Felix Batista will not be available for October. Kind of sucks, but you know, I feel like we've basically been operating as if he's not going to be available. Uh, I guess, obviously, you know, the, the, the pens and the simulated game and whatnot he's been throwing, but my guess would be that just got to the point where they were like, Hey, you know, we can't give you a season roster spot because we don't know when this time bomb is going to go off. So probably, you know, we'll look after you. We'll be safe for your NRs and, you know, we'll just shut you down get the surgery and then you start your rehab. Uh, most likely not going to be available at all in the season as well, which sucks. Um, but I did see that they came to agreements for uh, guaranteed contracts for 2024 and 25, which great uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, organizationally, you're taking care of the guy as a human, uh, you know, getting he's, Felix. If he was continuing at the rate that we saw him last year and this year, he was going to end up getting a boatload of money. Um, right. So it's cool that they take care of him that way. But also, you know, you you protect your asset as far as the team goes, right? Like you get, you get your guy locked up. You don't have to worry about free agency for their two years, at least. Um, he doesn't have other thing on his mind. He could just kind of focus on his rehab and that's his full time job for the next 12 months or whatever it is. Um, so they got that locked up. Um, you know, just obviously unfortunate for how big of a piece of this team he's been. Um, and then also like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, how, how many close games this team plays and not having him available, um, although I will say this, and I brought this uh, stat up with Roach that you guys will hear, but I'll reiterate it. Our bullpen's ERA up until Felix got hurt was like 3.54 or something. Our our bullpen's ERA since he's got hurt is 3.55. So obviously you can you can look at the difference in competition and obviously smaller sample size, more games before he got hurt, whatnot. Sure. But our, I think personally, our bullpen has done a really good job holding up since he's gone down. And, you know, a little adversity sometimes is good for a clubhouse. So they could wrap yeah. around it, could use it as ammunition or, or fire or motivation, whatever. Um, but yeah, starts on Saturday. Game is at one o'clock. Um, I saw on Twitter just before we jumped on there that Pickles is going to be opening at 8 a.m. So for any of our listeners that are planning on getting down there, get down there early and buckle for a marathon because it's going to be. Early and often, um, but yeah, if you're if you're around, if you have tickets to this game, show up and show out, be there in numbers because it's going to be awesome. I, I if I know anything about Baltimore and baseball, I think they'll show up for a playoff game on a Saturday. Just just a hunch, and yeah. if I also know anything <laughs> about Baltimore. They will put down some drinks at Pickles. That will be oh yeah for sure. Yeah, if if you have never Pickles been, Pickles is going to have to buy every local farmers market within a ten mile radius of their oranges to make their orange crushes because that. They are going to go crazy on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a gong show. And like, oh my gosh, can you mention that crowd's thing for that Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks oh. concert later from that night? Oh like, no, <laughs> that's that's gonna be a marathon of a day. Bell's Point, Mother's sure. Pickles, like what's the other bar down there? I think it's that. I don't know, Sliders or whatever, making a lot Sliders, of yes. money. 
a lot of money this weekend. So shout out to them. So yeah, they're they're them. they're gonna have a good weekend. Um, I've, but anyway, that I've was, never that actually was really it. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. Are you good? I just thought about this. I've never actually eaten at Pickles. I've like stopped by there and like whatever and like seen people there, but I've never actually like gotten food or drinks there. So I've never gotten food there, but I've gone there before games just for a drink or two beforehand. It's a great time. It's very fun. It's not a big place. They just kind of, you know, pack a little street parking area, whatever that is, right out of left field. Yeah. It's my, I love pickles. Bury me in pickles. I love it. You got it. I'll, I'll go there. I'll go there soon enough. Trust me. I'll definitely make my way back. <laughs> Next time I'm in Canyon Yards, I go to pickles. Yeah. How about that? There we go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, all right, that was really all that I wanted to bring up with the Orioles. Obviously, we've talked about them a bunch, um, and everybody knows the story. We've all been following them. Uh, just wanted to shed some light on what a great regular season it was, uh, but in the words of Brandon Hyde, it's just the first step. Moving on to the other team that we mentioned, the other team in Baltimore. Ravens got a big division win. Coming off a, uh, what was it, 28-3 to with the final score in Cleveland. Um, Josh, before I sort of you know go into it and break it all down, what uh, what were your initial thoughts after the game? How'd you feel about it? I thought we were wrong, but I'm okay with being wrong like this. I'm okay with being wrong this week as opposed <laughs> to in the past. Um, we thought it was going to be a rock fight. We thought it was going to be low scoring. And in a way it was, maybe not for us, but in, in, in terms of the game, it was a low scoring game. Um, but, I mean, shoot, we bullied them. Like, just straight up bullied them, um, which I was surprised. I mean, outsmarted them, too. It was a good it was a good effort on all three phases of the um, of the ball, and I thought coach, I thought the Browns were out coached. So shout out John Harbaugh and his staff. Todd Munkin, I thought he had one of his better games, if not his best game as a Raven with um, calling right. play calls. Uh, he made adjustments on the fly, which I told people that that was going to happen. I told people, listen, give him a couple drives, like he will make his adjustments and play his hot hand, and that's exactly what happened. Um, he started getting tight ends, tight ends more involved. He also started running the ball up the middle, up the A-gaps a lot. He also used a lot of misdirection to get people, like, moving in an extremely aggressive Browns defense. That proved to be the huge, like, ticket to win this game. Lamar looked mobile. He looked accurate. He was, like like you said, I said um, dinking and dunking, like, last time, or, like, kind of, like, just taking what the defense gave him. You had it more accurately last week. And I think it was even more so this week. Just precise. What was he, 13 for 19 with 180-something yards, two touchdowns throwing? Uh, 15. 15 for 19. Yeah, even better. 15 for 19, like 189 yards, two touchdowns on through the air, two touchdowns running. He had a phenomenal game. As somebody say, his best game as a Raven. Um, I think that there are other performances that may be a little bit better, but he had uh, basically a flawless game for the most part. Um, I yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Um, and obviously, everybody's point to the fact that uh, Deshaun didn't play. Obviously, right? And I I really do think that if if Deshaun were to start that game. Even if he was, you know, 70, 75%, I think that game goes a lot differently. Um, we, you know, we don't have to talk about Deshaun Watson, the human, uh, but Deshaun Watson, the football player, when he's healthy, when he's on, he's really freaking good. Um, as much as I hate saying that. Uh, and I was, frankly, going up to all week thinking Deshaun was going to be playing. I was worried. I didn't, I thought the game was going to be close. Like we said last week, I thought it was going to be low soaring. I thought it was going to be a rock fight, Big Ten West, like you said. I, I was fully expecting that type of game. Uh, and then obviously he he's game time decision, late scratch, didn't feel right. Um, and Dorian Thompson Robinson made his first NFL start. Not necessarily the best team you want to start your NFL career against. Uh, CJ Stroud and many others can attest to that. But um, flip side to that coin, we did exactly what we had to do. 
Uh, you're playing against a backup quarterback. You're playing against, obviously, they didn't have Nick Chubb. Um, their offensive line, I think, was pretty healthy for the most part. Um, I believe they lost somebody in the middle of the game. But for the most part, their O-line was, was exactly what it was. Uh, and their defense is their, is their defense. I think, I even tweeted this on Sunday during the game, Munkin to start the game was not good. Like, there were many questionable play calls. And the way that I felt about Munkin in the first quarter, like first maybe three or four drives, um, outside of that uh, drive that we scored a touchdown on the first play from Brandon Seaton's interception, mm-hmm. the three drives that we went three and out, um, it felt to me kind of the opposite of what everybody's been saying about the Denver Broncos. And the Denver Broncos' story has been how good their first 15 scripted plays are and then how bad they are after that. I felt the complete opposite this week with Todd Monk. I was like, okay, our script was dog shit, but everything after that was exactly what it needed to be. He was creative runs. uh, The run blocking schemes were phenomenal. I saw a breakdown from uh, former Raven AQ Shipley. uh, Lamar's touched on the the one play after Brandon Stevens interception. Yeah. And it was beautifully worked. Linderbaum snapped the ball and then pulled. Mark Andrews had a fake chip on Miles Garrett that kind of held him for a second. Linderbaum kicked him out the club. And then Morgan Moses came right behind Linderbaum and basically didn't have to touch anybody because it was wide open for Lamar to walk into the end zone. And it was just, it was stuff like that all day. Obviously Lamar didn't light up the, the stat sheet, right? He didn't throw for 350 yards or whatever, but he, like you said, he was precise. He was quick with his decision makings and he found open guys. Like he got through his reads. He was putting the ball on dots all day. He was incredibly accurate, putting it in keyholes. Um, and when he wanted to take shots and do Lamar Jackson shit, he did. He got he got out the pocket on that one deep ball to Zay. I think he hit him for like 40 yards. Yeah. Um, there was one, forget when in the game it was, maybe second quarter uh, inside the two-minute warning, I think, when he, he got out of a sack and he rolled out to the right and he threw it across his body to Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews took it for like 20-plus. Yep. It's... He was he was he was doing old Lamar Jackson stuff while also like being a very composed passer, which I think saying it for the last couple of weeks, and I'll continue to say it, I think that is Monkin's biggest influence on Lamar this season. He's been so good with his decision making. He's moving through his progressions quickly and getting the ball out when it needs to get out. Um so I agree. I think this was probably Monkin's best game uh, that he's called with us. Um, and it, it's the first time that we've scored 28 points or more in, I think since week, since week four, maybe of last year, week three, no, it was week three when we went to, uh, New England first time since then that we scored over 28 points. I did not know that stat. That is a very interesting stat and kind of alarming considering that you thought we would score more than 28 points a couple of times last year. Oh, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. So, um, <laughs> Todd Munkin is really good. And I, I can live with the first 15 plays not going as well as you want them to because you don't know what you're going to actually see. You have an idea, but you don't know for sure. I want to see in-game adjustments in doing what you need to do to win the game. That's something this Ravens yes. team this time last year did not do as well. We were scoring like a lot of points early on. And I used the Miami game as an example. We were firing for all centers for three and a half quarters. Like, mm-hmm moving the ball, explosive plays. Like, it was a shootout. And we're like, holy crap, the Ravens are winning. Like, winning a shootout game. What the heck is going on? Then when it time mattered most, we could not get a first down. They stopped us and just other stuff happened. 
and we couldn't we had no answer once their defense started to step up and make plays and again we don't we're the Ravens we don't win shootout games usually and defense got gas and they because we were scoring explosive plays just not a good not a good all-around like game plan offensively last year to keep it like to get us wins and like kind of put the game out of hand just tell me you did that you can even say it was a people which I don't really understand this at all people are talking about oh the playoff calls boring play call conservative and all this other stuff like this is the problem with hardball. He plays boring football. He plays too conservative. The handcuffs are on. No, we're playing situational football against a backup quarterback yes. and a team that's struggling. You do not need, you don't need to do this crazy exotic stuff and score up a trillion points when you have the game in control. Just do what you need to do, mm-hmm. make the plays you need to make, and run the ball and like get out of there healthy. That is smart football. It's not sexy football. It is smart football. And yes, I, I don't understand. I could not agree complaints. more. I don't understand complaints with that. And I don't, I don't understand the hardball hate. I, I, I don't understand. Dude, the I've never, I've never understood the hardball hate. I really don't. I get it every now and then, you know, his time management may not be the best or you right. know, he'll make, he'll make a bonehead mistake. Like telling Zay to call fair catch. La, uh, yeah. Last week against the Colts. No, no coach is perfect. And we're seeing that, like we're seeing that this year with Belichick, like Belichick yeah. is, is struggling and it's not all on Mac Jones or it's not all in the Patriots offensive line. Like Belichick has made some pretty questionable decisions in the last couple of years. So yeah. yeah, no coach is perfect, but I'm, I'm with you, man. I've never, ever understood the Harbaugh hate. The people that, that come out of the woodwork every year, where we don't win the Super Bowl, so he needs to be fired. Like that shit just, I, I've never understood it. And it's, it's like, to me, that's the lowest common denominator of like, Oh, you don't know football. But yeah, but like you can tell these guys love playing for him. Yeah, the guys love playing. Are we? Do we just? Do we want to? I know we want to talk about the game, and I know. Do you want to talk about the Mark Viviano tweet and everything real quick, or do you want to go to the game? It's your show. I want to see like. No, no yeah. bring up the Mark Viviano tweet because I'm not sure it. what you're talking about. Let's, yeah, no, you do. We talked about it yesterday, I think, or two days ago on Monday. The tweet that talked about Harbaugh with this. So Mark, John Harbaugh gets his 150th career win. One of the only two oh, active yes, coaches yes, to yes. be able to do so. And I'm stalling as I pull up the suite real quick. Um, Mark Viviano, uh, a CBS sports reporter, tweeted out something that I thought was very interesting. Um, he said, uh, Cower, Bill Cower in 15 seasons, 149 wins, 90 losses, 10 playoff games, uh, 10 playoff years, two AFC titles, and one Super Bowl. Paul Ball in 15 plus seasons, 150 wins, 96 losses, 10 playoff, 10 playoff years, one AFC title, and one Super Bowl. Cower was a uh, Bill Cower, old Ironton up in Pittsburgh up there, also noted O's fan, so we can forgive him, I guess, a little bit, uh, is a Pro Football Hall of Famer. So I am coming on the Wave podcast to, like, champion this, like, campaign of John Harbaugh may very well be a Hall of Fame coach. And mm-hmm. there are many different reasons why we can go to It's not just about wins. It's not just about, like, culture and all this other stuff. All those things are like all those things are important. It's not just about wins and like losses and how you sexy play football. John Harbaugh has won games with two different style of quarterbacks, many different styles of offensive systems, many different styles, many different offensive coordinators, many offensive defensive coordinators, and John Harbaugh has consistently made this team a like a winning football team. We have one losing season since twenty what twenty two thousand eight. One losing season since two thousand eight. Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah, like one or two, maybe. Maybe. And those were because everyone got injured. Like everyone, we had the like the barrel bones. Historical of the injury team. numbers. 
and that's another and the thing. other one was just Super Bowl hangover. Like yeah, everybody got paid, everybody left. Yeah, yeah, that was. To and be you expected. can and you can even make some like you can even make some arguments early on like oh Harbaugh was like a hardo and like ran it like a military where you didn't have guys wanted guys to have personalities. He didn't want all this stuff and like he only won because he had Ray and Ed and Suggs and all those guys in there. Well, a good coach adapts to the personalities that are in his locker room. When you do have guys yes. like Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs, you don't really need to do a whole lot of defense because they, they kind of got it. Also, we won that Super Bowl with Ray Lewis being injured most of the year. Ed Reed, mm-hmm. who I love and is like probably my, my second, if not my first favorite Raven, could not make a tackle to save his life and had a bum shoulder. Like, So those guys were literally like on their way out the door and just – all these different things going on to say that he changed his system and he adapts. That is the Nick Saban. You know who else does that? Nick Saban in the college realm. Belichick has done it. Belichick did it multiple times even with the same, like with Tom Brady's quarterback. Those defenses won Tom Brady's first three or four rings. Even I say five of the rings were won by the defense in a way. And then he got Andy Reid. Andy Reid is another one. You look at what Andy Reid did when he was an assistant in Green Bay. Then he went to Philly. He had McNabb. He had those defenses. He ran the ball a ton. And now, I mean, now everybody just associates Andy Reid with, you know, pass happy offense, exotic pass schemes and all this. Like Andy Reid is the the poster boy of that right now. I am so happy you talked about Andy Reid because you want to know what the knock on Andy Reid was his first half of his career. Terrible, terrible coach. Can't win a Super Bowl. Always close. Never like always comes up short. Terrible clock management. Management doesn't know how to use his timeouts. Oh, Manel, you know, time heals all wounds. He gets a couple of Super Bowls in him, and like we, and then now any reason offensive genius, juggernaut, like all these things. And he got Patrick Mahomes, and also he adapted his way of playing too. Like, I don't understand the hate for coaches because you don't get the results you want immediately. It is. Listen, I want to win a Super Bowl more than like most of our fan base, if not like you know. Oh. I definitely want to. Uh, I want to listen. I would be, I need to. I would be driving parade floats like that right. is how badly I want to win Super Bowl. Like you do not know, understand how much this team means to me and how I know this means to the city. Like this is the team I love since I was like, a, like I was watching the Kyle Boulder years, thinking like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. like this is what football is supposed to look like. Like this just, I love this team, but you have to have organizational structure and you have to have organizational continuity. It's it, yeah, it's hard to win in the NFL. Everybody knows that, and I the fact that Harbaugh's longevity has stood as it has, like you said, organization continuity. That's a hard thing to come by nowadays, where everything is like, you know, what have you done for for me lately? Instant gratification. Like everybody wants results right away. So the fact that Harbaugh has been here, this is his 16th season. He's been to the playoffs 10 times out of those 16 years. He's only had maybe two lo- losing seasons total. Um, and and like I said, everybody who's played for him has. Nothing but things about him. I think that the you know the whole fire harbor thing is is nonsense. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that 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 was a good rant, and I'm going to tie it back in now. Don't you mentioned it. playing like situational football. I'll I'll take it one step further, and I think what we did on Sunday was perfect complimentary football. We yes. knew the situation that we had on the other sideline, right? We were playing with a backup quarterback who was struggling. We were doing pretty well all day. Um, really at no point was our defense, I think, stressed by what the offense was doing to us. I think we felt like we had to check pretty much all day and jump. Um, so, you know, Harbaugh probably could have pressed Munkin or, you know, Munkin could press Harbaugh, what, 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 however that goes, to stretch the ball more or, you know, to, to, to get guys like Zay and Aguilar and Devin Duvernay more involved in the pass game. They could have done that, sure. But why? Like, what's the point? All you, yeah. you run the ball, chew the clock, Try to stay as healthy as possible. And 
keep your defense fresh. Like you don't want your you don't want your defense out there if you if you're constantly trying to throw the ball four yards a clip, and you're not converting. You're, there's going to be a lot of three and outs, a lot of short drives. You're not going to be able to sustain anything. Your defense is going to be out there for more plays. You're going to get gassed. And on the flip side, like if you're just running a ball, chewing clock, controlling the possession game, you are dictating the outcome of the game, which obviously we saw, right? So yeah, I, I, I don't understand when people complain about not being a sexy brand of football. Like you won the game. I will never, ever complain about a win. Ever. Right. And this was just another instance. Of that. Um, I wanted to show some love to a couple guys, not named Todd Munkin or John Harbaugh. We talked about Lamar. He was he was surgical. He was just really, really good all day. Um, obviously made the adjustment. We talked about that. Mark Andrews is back. Oh my kind gosh! What, yes, yes. <laughs> like what we were talking about last week. This was that Mark Andrews game we were waiting for for him to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm back. I'm healthy. This is you know I'm a part of this offense too. Five catches, eighty some yards, two touchdowns. Um, that first touchdown was it the first? It was the first touchdown. It was the second touchdown. Where Lamar threw it in the back of the end zone. Yep. And I mean, but perfect, perfect throw. Could not have placed it in a better spot. But Mark Andrews going up and getting that ball. Are you kidding? His ver- he must have jumped six feet in the air. He got up on that play man, and he brought it down with three Browns defenders in front of him. That was a hell of a play on both sides. And if we're going to get plays like that for Mark Andrews to complement what Odell and Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers can do, I'm really liking the prospect of our offense moving forward. Yeah, Mark Andrews had an amazing game. And this, like we knew that, he, I think we even said last week, like, hey, watch out, Mark Andrews in Cleveland usually does pretty well against the Browns in Ohio. Like, he balled out and he was getting yak. Like he was like, he proved that, Hey, don't forget about being one of the best conversations, like the conversation for best tight end. Like I know Kelsey's good. I know he's just talking to nation right now. Cause of who he's dating. Um, Cause you know, we all know that Taylor Swift put Mark, like put Travis Kelsey on the map. Um, oh, making him famous, making him famous. <laughs> um, and Kittle, who is, I think, is having a quiet year in San Francisco, who's still a dog out there. For sure. But Mark Andrews is a really good tight end. He, his high point to get that ball was amazing. I thought that ball was going to pick. I'm like, Lamar, what did you like? Why did you just throw a pick? Like, Damn. I was just, I was shocked. <laughs> and then he came down with it. I was like, oh, that was, you mentioned the third down play with, he got like, I think, what, 20 something yak yards off a of scramble and a crossbody throw. Like, like that. yeah. Just insane. He's just a tough dude, just a really good baller. Mark Andrews had a great game. Um, I'm going to highlight someone on a defensive, um, anyone on offensive end besides, oh, Melvin Gordon contributed really well. I thought he had a good, he had a good game. Um, I thought all the running backs had a really good game. So like, but Melvin Gordon had one more I specifically remember, um, Lamar was Lamar. Um, Nelson Aguilar had a, like Lamar threw one of the best balls I've ever seen during Nelson Aguilar just couldn't get his feet down. Great defensive play though. That that was an incredible ball. I was hoping so badly he was going to get a second foot, but yeah, just, I mean, because of where the defender was, yeah, that was a great ball. Great, yeah, great defensive play. Moving over to the defensive side, I'm going to give J-Man Clowney um, yes. just yes. a, a shout-out or whatever. Oh, Russian quarterback made his presence know, was in the backfield all day. Um, I really wish he would just, you know, just wrap the dude and just fall and just get a sack or something like that. But I will take eight QB pressures any day, make him uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That was just amazing work by J-Man Clowney. Kyle Vanoy, who we signed, I think this time last week, literally yep. probably doesn't even have a place to stay in Baltimore. 
came in and made a huge impact and got a couple sacks. Um, obligatory, Roquan Smith is really good at football, and Patrick Crean is really good at football, and we're flying everywhere. Yes. Yep. Part of the podcast where they're amazing. <laughs> Roquan's a great leader. I'm running out of things to say about how well they are, and I think we should mm-hmm. play Patrick Clean. And he wants to get paid. That's my obligatory. Like the linebacker duo is amazing. Um, and another obligatory, Kyle Hamilton had a good game. He's also really good yes. and played well. Got his first interception. First career interception too. And I want to give a shout out to another person who had his first career interception. Brandon Stevens had an amazing yes, game. An amazing game. I like Brandon Stevens. I don't. I didn't understand all the hate that he got. I thought that he always does well in coverage and he always is in the right position. Ball skills could be, you know, you could, you could say, Hey, maybe you want to play, make another couple plays on the ball, but he's a good cornerback. Relax, like hop off. Let's let him, let's let him play the game. And he was in the right place, right time, made a heads up awareness play. And also the awareness to get mm-hmm. up and run down the field. Um, when our offense yeah. wasn't looking hot, like early on, Great play by him. He had a great game. And a couple other, like, quarterbacks. I think Worley had a good game. Like, there are a lot of guys that I know who had a good game. I just can't think of their names because our quarterbacks go down like flies. But <laughs> yeah, all Worley, around. Worley was playing. Daryl yeah. Worley was playing well before he got hurt. I thought, had a great game before he got. I think he had a concussion. So he might be available this week. I remember seeing him on the injury report. Or maybe he wasn't. I just missed him. But, uh, yeah, Arthur Blatt had a really good game. I'm glad you brought up Brandon Stevens because he was one guy that I wanted to shout out. Um, I was also going to bring up Jadon Clowney and Kyle Van Noy. I thought those two played an incredible game, especially Van Noy for not even being in Baltimore for like three days and right. turning around and playing that game. Um, but yeah, Brandon Stevens. So I was pretty vocal about Brandon Stevens at the beginning of last year. Um, just didn't really think he was good enough to be, you know, corner that he, the spot that he was playing. And that was probably a lot due to being so thin at the position and we kind of just needed him. So we thrusted in him him into a position that he wasn't ready for um also like he hasn't been playing corner for that long like he went to ucla to start his college as a running back and then transferred to right. smu and played safety and then we drafted him as a safety but we needed depth at corner so we moved him to corner he's he's been all over the place and then after we moved him to corner we moved him back to safety so there really hasn't been a ton of continuity as far as position goes um but so far this season i think he has been one of the bright spots of our defense, and that's saying something considering how good defenses look through the first quarter of the season. Um, Brandon Stevens, I saw a tweet uh, before we jumped on. He's played most coverage snaps on the Ravens without allowing a touchdown. Um, and honestly, now that I think about it, it might even go further than the Ravens. Like he's played a ton of coverage snaps and hasn't allowed a touchdown all year. Um, I'll even go as far as say, knock on wood, if he continues to play at the pace that he's playing at. He's going to be the most improved Raven. Um, yes. I think he has elevated his game so impressively over the last year. He's he's played really, really good on the outside. I know he just had his first career uh, interception this week, but he's been making plays on balls over the last couple of weeks where he's making pass pickups. He's playing really good coverage. He's playing on guys. He's doing everything really, really well. And I think once Marlon comes back into the mix, whether that's this week, next week, or whenever, yeah, I think that's only going to help him because Brandon Stevens, like, you have, right now, you have Rocky Sin, Arthur Millette, and Ronald Darby out there. You add Marlon back to that mix, and it's only going to help him elevate his game even more. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Brandon Stevens because he played a hell of a game. I know the ball kind of just floated right to him, but I, I you still have to have presence of mind to make the catch. 
And then, like you said, get up, ball security, and, and run it down what you did. He played a phenomenal game, and I'm glad you brought him up. Um, Linderbaum is another guy that I wanted to shout out because him coming back, you could feel his impact on the game. He was commanding the offensive line really well. On Lamar's t- uh, one of Lamar's touchdowns, he, <laughs> he literally threw a block moving in reverse. I don't know if you saw the video, Josh, but no, I didn't so see he that. Snapped, he, he snapped the ball, and the, I forget what the scheme was, but it was like a combo block with Zeitler on the right side. And mm-hmm. he kind of like chipped him. And then he saw a linebacker coming through the A gap, and he literally like just threw his back at the linebacker and made a block. I'll have to when we're done. I'll send it to you. But yeah, it that's was impressive. It, it was really, it was really impressive. He was really good. I thought Justin Hill played a really good game. Honestly, like all around, I thought we looked really, really good. We did. And like I said, obviously against backup quarterback, rookie quarterback made his first start. But you took care of business. This was exactly what we should have done last week. And I'm glad it did last week in effect. And this week they they went into Cleveland, took their business. And now we're on to Pittsburgh. We are on Pittsburgh. Uh, I do want to shout out Tyler Lindenball. Didn't offensive line look so much better with him in it, just as a whole unit? Yes. Like he's really good. He takes huge command of that offense, and he's just like a monster. And I I mm-hmm. I think Lamar said, hey, he's like like kind of like a future like what he's like future Pro Bowl, future Hall of Fame or something crazy like that. I I believe it. Yeah. So, like he's really 100%. good. He's really, really good. Um, yeah, I hope he stays in Baltimore for a very long time. So, but yeah, Me he's too. awesome. Me too. We'll see what happens. So, but yeah, shout out to him. And yeah, yeah. on to Pittsburgh. Um, on to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was uh, that was it uh, that I had for the game against Cleveland. Um, Josh, any final thoughts before we move on to this week? Uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Miles Garrett for being again really, really good at football. Um, really good football. <laughs> listen, if that dude was not a Browns player, he would be like one of my favorite players, like in the NFL. That dude is just a wrecking yeah. ball. He yeah, got, he got home. He wrecked up play. He is just a absolute weapon, like mm-hmm. a absolute weapon. Um, yeah, he's just yeah. I don't know. I'm running out of good things to say about him. He's just a really good football. <laughs> I feel the same way about him, like I do Roquan. Like. There's only so many good complimentary things you could say about them because they're so consistent and they're yeah. so good at what they do. Yes. So, yeah, he's good. And David Njoku, like, you know, especially after coming off the game with, like, the burn injury he had. Also, yeah. shout, shout out David Njoku, one of the, the best pregame, like, outfits, like, yeah, that ever going to see. Like, I, if I looked like that, I would just dress like that all the time. Like, <laughs> just straight up. Dude, just, if I – if I had David Njoku's physique, I would literally never wear a shirt. It could be 20 degrees outside. I would, I would, I wouldn't own any t-shirt. I would not yeah. own anything that goes on the top part of my body other than hats because that dude is strapped. To shred it, this mask was just the coolest thing in the world. Like, yeah, it was, was awesome. sick. Like, yeah. Anyway, he also had a good game, and he usually has a good games against this. Um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Browns are going to Browns. Uh, it's weird saying that because I actually think they're a good football team, but, you know, they're still the Cleveland Browns. So uh, we're on the Pittsburgh, and we got it. Regardless of Deshaun's health and how many how many games he might miss with the shoulder thing, um, I think the defense is good enough to win multiple games in the NFL. They are, are that good. They are. I think, I think we have the best matchup against them. I don't even think the next game we play against them will be, like, that easy. I just uh, mm-hmm. I think that we had a good game plan against them. We executed well. I expect the next one still to be a rough, like a tough game. So we'll see what happens. Hundred percent, hundred percent. 
Uh, yeah, well said. Um, so that's our wrap up of week four, 28-3 win in Cleveland. Week five, we are now on to Pittsburgh. Ravens go into Pittsburgh. Our game is at one o'clock on Sunday. Uh, the Ravens opened up as a two and a half, excuse me, four and a half point favorite. It is currently down to three and a half. The over under last time I checked is 38 and a half. Uh, that may have since gone up uh, based off of some injury report stuff. Um, but initially, I think that's probably where you would have had it. Uh, now that I give it, the spread might have also moved a little bit um, because Kenny Pickett said that he's going to be ready to go on Sunday. I don't know how true that is or if he will end up going on Saturday or excuse me, Sunday. Um, anyway, headlines coming into this week. Uh, obviously we talked about the Ravens last week, their big win in, in Cleveland. The Steelers on the other hand are coming off. Um, I don't want to say a really bad loss because I really haven't followed the Steelers all that much. And I don't know what a bad loss for them looks like, but I feel as, as an objective, maybe not objective third party viewer that that loss was pretty bad. Uh, 30 to six against the Houston Texans, uh, rook quarterback, obviously with CJ Stroud, uh, very young, inexperienced receiver core, uh, second year running back offensive line was a bit banged up. I personally thought that game was going to go the complete opposite way. I thought it was going to be Pittsburgh from the start to the finish. Uh, it, it was Jake Watt Bonner day in Houston. I was like, he's going to have at least sacks, maybe even a strip sack or a pick six or something like, and it was the complete opposite. Like they didn't have a single sack. I don't even know if they pressured Stroud at all. Um, and DJ really just marched up down the field all day. Like I think Pittsburgh has three points at half. Um, so they're coming off a very bad loss. A lot of people are talking in the media and, even to Mike Tomlin about, you know, when are we going to make a change in offensive coordinator? They're very unhappy with Matt Canada. Um, sidebar, um, the whole Matt Canada conversation with, with the Steelers reminds a lot of where we were over the last two years with our former offensive coordinator. Um, so Steelers fans, if, if there are any of you listening to this, I promise we'll get better. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is again, recency bias, but, two teams on opposite ends of the spectrum coming into this game. Yeah, we have, it's been a, you know, I don't think I remember seeing a Steelers team, this not great in a very long time, especially under Mike Tomlin. Um, they're in yes. a rough spot. Um, they're in a rough spot. And I want to say Steelers fans deserve better, but that means give me giving sympathy to Steelers fans. <laughs> and I don't want to do that, but I will admit the league is better when the Steelers are humming and the Steelers are good. And I think the rivalry is better when that's the Steelers sure, are true. good. Um, they do not like Matt Canada. Um, no, yeah, they just they simple as that. I feel like every every day I get on Twitter or X or whatever the app is called now or TikTok or something, and I see some form of Matt Canada slander. As a former Maryland head coach, I support Matt Canada and hope he continues as the Steelers OC. And you know, we'll just see what happens. But um, yeah, it's not looking great right now, and uh, they're not clicking at all. And I don't even know how talented this team really is at the core of everything on the offensive side of the ball. And that's not like a knock on them. It's just that compared to other teams um, that the Steelers have had over the years, this, this offense doesn't scare you. I mean, it shouldn't scare you that much. Um, I think they have good, like, guys that are decent football players, but I don't know, like, if they're gelling together well. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. highlight three of their players real quick, um, just off the top of my head, at least on the offensive side of the ball. 
and then we can discuss the defense side of all, which I think is a totally different animal. Um, Kenny Pickett's not a terrible quarterback. I don't know if he's what you want for like a long-term starter, and I don't know how many games he's going to like lead you down and lead you, but he's still a young quarterback. You have to give him time, and I think he is decent. Like I don't think he's bad by any means or terrible by any means. Um, mm-hmm. Najee Harris is a good running back. Um, yes. I think he helps make that offense go. He cost us a game last year. Shoot. Um, he's shifty. Yep. He's good. He can catch the ball in space. He's like what you want the um, your running back to be like for the most part as far as like his play. Mm-hmm. And George Pickens, not a bad receiver. I think he could be a little bit more consistent, but he makes amazing plays, amazing catches, and he can get open. And he's the type of like attitude you want in your offense. Um, yep. So they have some decent guys on offense. It's just whatever reason, whether it be play calling or what, what I don't know what's going on in the system or whatever, they're not humming well on offense. They're not looking good at all. Um, I mean, yeah, they're just not looking great. Their defense is still really good. I know Cam Hayward's out for a while. TJ Watt, another dude that like gives me nightmares on the defensive end. Yep. Uh, one of the best defensive ends in the league, if not the best. Really good, can really disrupt plays. He can even win you some games, unfortunately. Which we've seen that, like him single handedly just his yeah. presence. Oh. Um, I think they have some I think they have some good corners as well. So um mm-hmm. I mean yeah, Patrick Peterson's Steelers. there now. Yeah, Patrick Peterson's there now. What the heck? That's weird. Um I do think Zay Flowers. <laughs> I don't know why. I've had this feeling that Zay Flowers will get a good double move on and make a good couple plays against Patrick Peterson. So that's a good matchup I want to see, hey, it, I think. Pat P Pat P will gamble every now and then. So there's an opportunity there for sure. Um I know yeah. Yeah. I largely agree with I largely agree with everything you said. I I personally Obviously, I'm not a fan of him because I never want to see anything good happen to the Steelers. But I think Kenny is a good quarterback. And I think yeah. the more time that he has to mature and grow into an NFL offense, I think he's going to be good. Like, I really do yeah. think Kenny Pickett is going to be a more than serviceable franchise quarterback for them. Like, him and Lamar are going to have battles for many years to come. Yeah. And I've, like I said, obviously, I don't want anything ever to happen to the Steelers that's good. But as a Ravens fan and as a football fan, like, Ravens Steelers is the in my opinion, the best rivalry in football. Um, and it's football is better when both teams are good and both teams actually have something to fight for in that rivalry. Like how many times growing up did we watch you know, Ben and Flacco or more accurately, you know, Ray Lewis and Flacco or Suggs, or excuse me, uh, Lewis and Roethlisberger or like, you know, Suggs and Holy and Ed Reed, like, and after those Heinz Ward, Richard Mendenhall, Willie Parker, like, Obviously, way back Jerome Bettis, like those Ravens, yeah. Ravens defense, Pittsburgh offense matchups. That's to me, that's what football is. Like, I love this match so much. And, you know, like you said, it's better when both teams are good and both teams are, you know, have playoff aspirations, which I really do think, regardless of who's calling plays or what's going on, I think Kenny can be that guy for Pittsburgh. So I agree with yeah. you on Kenny. I, I also really like Nachi. I think he's really good. Doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. George Pickens, I think, is a dog. Um, I think, like you said, he is inconsistent. He could be a little bit more consistent, but I think him and Deontay Johnson are like a perfect pairing for one another. And obviously Deontay Johnson's on IR, so he's, he won't be in this game, but I think those two have a lot of, of room to grow together as long as they're both on the field. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I think this Pittsburgh team is good. And while recency bias shows that they're struggling a little bit in the offensive end, I still think they're capable of winning a game, especially a big game under Coach Mike Tomlin, like oh, Tomlin Hall of Fame yeah. coach. He, I think Tomlin, I think Tomlin, Tomlin personally is a top five coach in the NFL every yeah. single year. 
yeah. regardless of who's on his team. Um, so yeah, I I I think the Steelers team is good. Um, I forget the stat exactly, but I remember last year um, when the Ravens Steelers matchup on Sunday Night Football was coming up, everybody was talking about how the underdog in this matchup uh, it covers the spread at like a seventy six percent clip or something, and when you like actually look at it, like obviously the spread is always in between two and a half and four points typically. And that's because this game is always a two to three point game. Yeah. Throw out the record. This is a classic throw out the record books game. Raven Steelers is always going to be close. It's more than likely always going to be low scoring. Um, Smash mouth, AFC North run the ball defense. It's just, you know, that's a style of football that these guys play. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. talk about we talk about injuries. Obviously, Kenny got hurt. I think it was a, bro, a bone bruise, like a sprained MCL or something. Um, but he's saying that he's going to be out there on Sunday. Like I said, I don't know how much I buy that. Um, I think it's early on in the season, and they might not want to risk anything. But he's saying he's going to be out there. Pratt, excuse me, Pat Fryermuth is out for Pittsburgh. He's missed multiple weeks. I don't remember what his injury was, but he's going to be out there. Josh, I know you're familiar with the guy filling for him. Uh, Darnett Washington, that's his name, right, from Georgia, rookie. Yeah, that dude's a monster. I forgot about that dude. Um, I he's totally like forgot six, about that dude. He's like 6'12". That guy may be the biggest human I've ever seen. That dude is huge. Um, absolutely huge. Georgia guy. He did really well in the national championship. I think he could block really well. has really good hands. and like He's he oddly athletic for how big he is. Um, yep. Yeah, that dude, he's a good ball. He's a baller. The type of guy that I would want to see in purple instead of, like, you know, black and gold. But, um... Yep. He was definitely one of those draft picks when I saw that the Steelers got him. I was like, ah, oh, crap, that's not good for us. Like, <laughs> Dude, I, I did the same thing. I did the same exact thing. He is really he's really good. Um, I'm not sure how with the year he's having right now, um, but he's really good. Um, speaking of the Steelers, I love how we said, like, oh, yeah, this may be a down year for the Steelers and things aren't really humming. One went away, they tie us in the division. Like, they tie us for the record-wise. Right. They're two, like, they're two yeah. and two. Um, they're not like they're not a bad football team by any means. It's just that they aren't clicking like we expected them to. So we'll see what yeah, happens early on in the season. Like you know, yeah. we're through the we're through the first quarter of the season. Like I said, I fully expect them to pick it back up. Um, yeah. so one last thing on them, and, and as far as their injuries go, obviously if they pick a can't go. Their pick up is Mitch Trubisky. We know him. We've played him before. Um, last year when we played him, I think that was the game where Roquan and Pepper Queen both had interceptions in the game. Yes. Um. I believe he got knocked out of the concussion, if I remember correctly. We've seen and he did get knocked before. out first time with a concussion. Yep. Yep. I think I think is a is a fine backup. Uh, I put him kind of in the same class, a little bit below Garden issue as far as like backups go. Um, I he's I think he's better than Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think Mitch in the right situation could come in, you know, win a ball game or two. Um, but anyway, if Kenny can't go, it'll be Mitch. Uh, on the Ravens three side. Um, we don't get to say this very often as far as Ravens and injuries are concerned, but today was a pretty good day for the Ravens. Um, I'll pull up the injury report here, but we got a ton of guys to practice today, an, an absolute ton. And it's huge going into the stretch of the season. Um, Rashad Bateman was a participant in practice. Odell was back practicing. He was limited with that ankle. Uh, Justice Hill, we saw him play last week. He'll be fine. Humphrey returned to practice today. He was limited with foot. Um, there's a chance I think Harbaugh that he goes this week, although I'm not holding my breath over that. Keaton Mitchell was a full participant in practice this week, eligible to come off IR. I think there's a good chance that we see him 
Ronnie Stanley was a full participant in practice. Marcus Williams was a full participant in practice. The only three guys that did not practice today were Adafe Owe, Morgan Moses, and Derek Worley. Yeah, and we can live with those guys getting healthy when they can. Um, I think Stanley coming back is huge. Hopefully he's ready to play. I like him coming back because that means you can move McCurry on the uh, right side to kind of fill in Morgan Moses' gap, which I think would be huge. Exactly. I like I really like Stanley against um, T.J. Watt. Hopefully that's the matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I even like McCurry against T.J. Watt. I even like like Paul Lele, who also had a good game last week against T.J. Watt. You know, and like if you need to rotate them in and out. So I'm happy about that. Hopefully we see OBJ in the mix um, as well. Like we're we're getting healthier, not fully there yet, but I want to see us get get out of this game and get out of Tennessee healthy and just see what happens after that. So yeah, yeah, we're like you said, we're not healthy completely yet. Slowly, surely, we're getting there. Um, yeah, and uh, like I said, Arthur Mullet was not on the injury report, so I guess that means he's not in concussion protocol. He's good to go, which is huge for us. Yeah. Um, we talked about the Steelers, uh, not injury-wise. We just talked about you know, Matt Canada and their offensive issues. Like I said, it reminds me a lot of how we felt uh, with Greg Roman calling the offense for the last couple of years. Um, I, I'm going to say this until I can't more. I have full faith that Tomlin will write the ship. Um, I'm never going to yes. get them out as long as he's there. Um, I, another thing that I'm interested to see, we talked about it a little bit, George Pickens against our secondary. Um, mm-hmm. If Humphrey can't go, I believe last year in that Sunday night football game, he had a pretty good game. I think he had like 50 or 60 yards at least. He might have even had a touchdown. I can't remember if he did or not. Um, I think he did have a touchdown. Yeah. I, I'm very interested to see that matchup and how we handle him. Um, I think they're I, I don't think the Ravens, especially with Owen Humphrey out, but I don't think the Ravens and Mike McDonald as just from a philosophical standpoint are ever gonna do um you know, like like the Rob Revis used like cat coverage they used to call it. Like I'm gonna cover that cat. I don't think we're ever gonna do that. I think that that's just not the philosophy that we have when it comes to calling defense. Um so I'll be interested to see, you know, who matches up with him for the majority of the day. If it's going to be Stevens, if it's going to be Darby, if it's going to be Rocky Aston, who I think has been really good so far this year. Um, that's just you know, one thing that I have my eye on. Um, Josh, you mentioned J. Watt. He absolutely is in the same echelon of guys that keep me up at night. Um, he's right there with Mike Garrett. I, before this, and he was my pick for defensive player of the year. Like, he has not even looked slightly like he's lost a step this year. He's still balling. I think he's still like top five or top eight as far as like six goes so far in the year. Like he's still very good. Um, and then the back end, they have Mika Patrick, who is also very good. Um, I think we could talk a lot about their defense, but these guys are good. And mm-hmm. like I said, this game always is going to be close throughout the record, but throughout everything going into this game, this is just this classic Raven-Steelers matchup. Yeah, it's going to be a war. Um, it's just straight up going to be a war. It's going to be physical. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be like all of these different things. And I, I'm really curious to see, and I really need to see Lamar have a good game in Pittsburgh. Lamar has won in Pittsburgh. We've known that. Yes. Lamar has won in Pittsburgh. Yes. Um, but he hasn't had the best games in Pittsburgh. And sometimes mm-hmm. we've been bailed out by good defensive plays. Other times that goal line, like that that uh, two-point conversion that just did not did not happen questionable play calling by a former employee of the Ravens, just <laughs> why you would go at the defensive player of the year who wrecks everything is still bizarre to me. I'm, I'm over it. I promise. Um, I'm definitely not over it, but still <laughs> just, I don't understand. Anyway, 
Lamar has to have a good game in Pittsburgh. I think he knows that. I think that he's in a more comfortable position to do that. And also, fun thing about the Ravens, Lamar hasn't really had to be Superman this year and like win a game himself. I think mm-hmm. with Todd as the office coordinator, again, he's going to use the weapons that he has to be able to make those adjustments to play off of things that he is seeing and that are going well that day. Whether that be getting Zay Flowers involved early, having him stretch the field, or be Lamar scrambling and running in the misdirections, or telling the running backs to just blame them off the offensive line. I mean, T.J. Watt can't get sacked and you just run the ball away from him, basically. Um, and I wanted, I think, the, you know what? I actually do think the running backs are going to have a great game, which is, ironically, I'm saying this about a Ravens-Steelers game. I hope Keith Mitchell's get involved. Um, We'd love to see him in there and just, you know, ex- I think he's explosive. I think he can turn up a couple yards and um, do well. My, I, I know you're about to get into keys to the game. My keys to the game is limit the turnovers, limit the mistakes. I, I Again, they didn't bite us. They didn't really kill us last year, and that was a weird exchange between Lamar and Justice Hill. You know, fundamentals go a long way. Lamar could put two hands in the ball and, you know, hand it into his gut or not give it to his chest or whatever. Um, you got to limit turnovers this game. I, I'm, I'll keep preaching it. You got to limit turnovers this game. And defense, you cannot give up a big play. But I don't even think the Steelers are really super capable of a whole lot of big plays. I think Pickett's going to get one and two here and there. You just got to be consistent and, like, beat the guy off the line. This is going to be a physical matchup. Bully them like you bully every other AFC North team. Assert your dominance. Go 3 0 in the division, heading into a tough game. A, a game that's going to be tough versus Titans in England. Um, but you gotta you gotta assert your dominance and win this rivalry game. Um, this game means a lot to the people 100%. in Baltimore. This game means a lot to Ravens fans. Like straight up, we don't like them. Um, I think a lot of Ravens that have been Ravens on the scene for a little while haven't beaten the Steelers yet. And you know the old saying: you're not a Raven until you beat the Steelers. Roquan is. I don't think Roquan's ever beat the Steelers. Well, no, he has. He has once, maybe. Um, yeah, so it, it's funny you bring that up actually because I was yeah. scrolling before we started here tonight, and I saw a quote from him after practice today. Where he said, um, "I don't consider myself a Raven until I beat Pittsburgh, which he has already." But uh, he was like, "He was like, I, I I take a lot of pride in being a Raven, so this is a game that I want even more than a regular game." Um, yeah. So yeah, like like you said, this game means a lot to people in Baltimore. Obviously, it means a lot to the team. Harbaugh's going to have his guys ready. Tomlin's going to have their guys ready. Um, yeah, he yeah. is. He is. Um, yeah, yeah. This, so, yeah, it's gonna be a yeah. war. Uh, it's gonna be a war for sure. I'm gonna jump into my keys to victory. First one, Josh. I'm, you you basically hit it. I'm gonna echo it again. This game is gonna be won or lost in the trenches. So you have to win those battles. T.J. Watt is really good. Obviously, Cam Hayward's not there, but they have guys in the middle. Alex Highsmith on on the other side of uh, of T.J. Watt. They are very good up defensively. They also spent a lot of equity in the offseason beefing their offensive line. I know they haven't clicked yet, but like I said, I'm going to hammer this home time and time again. I trust Tomlin to figure it out for those guys. They will be ready. This game will, like I said, be won or lost in the trenches. If we're going to win this game, we're going to have to consistently dominate. We're going to have to push it. We're going to have to establish the run early and build off of it. Win the battle in the trenches. My second key to victory, pressure, pressure, pressure. Whether it's Mitch, whether it's Kenny, if you get to him and make him speed up his decision-making process, make him try to force balls out when they're not ready to go out, make him you know, accelerate his reads. If you get in his face and put him on the ground, whether it's a sack or a pressure and a QB hit, they will make mistakes, especially if Pickett can't go and it's Trubisky. We've seen what Trubisky will do as this Ravens defense providing pressure. You have to absolutely have to get them. Um, 
you know, we talked about Kwani, Kyle Van Hoy, Owe, if he does practice, come back this week. Those guys are more capable of winning up on the front. We have to see him do it again this week. Uh, my next key to victory, mentioned it briefly there. You have to get going early, just like we did with Cleveland, kind of. You have to limit those first couple drives like we did in Cleveland. The, 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 the three and outs, three, three and outs on the first four drives, you can't have because even if Kenny plays, that team, if you let them hang around, they will make you pay for it. You got to get going early. You can't have mistakes early on in the game. Um, I think that the fumble with Justice Hill and Lamar on the exchange, I think that was a timing issue, and I personally think yeah. it was on Justice Hill. Um, I don't, I don't want to throw him on the bus, but a lot of people were blaming Lamar for it. I don't think it was actually Lamar's. I think he was expecting Justice Hill to be there a little bit sooner. Anyway, not the point. You can't have the self-inflicted wounds. You can't make mistakes. And like I said, you can't let these guys hang around. You have to smack them in the mouth early. You have to establish the run, like I said, and you have to win up front. I'm going to keep going back to that. You have to win up front. My last key to victory, I mentioned it already. I'll say it again. You have to force them to make mistakes. Win the turnover differential. That's the big one. Win the differential. If you create a turnover, you got to get two back. Like that's, that's just how this game goes. Whoever makes the least amount of mistakes will most likely end up winning this game. If you can force Kenny to give us one, or if it's Mitch, force Mitch to give us one or two, right? Maybe, maybe Humphrey plays and he punches the ball out and we get a fumble recovery. Like it's, it's stuff like that that are going to make or break this game. If you win the turnover differential, you probably have a 90% or higher chance of winning this football game. Yeah, I agree. I'm, as you were thinking, I expect the defense to have a really big game this game. Um, I expect a lot of hard hits. I'm talking like mm-hmm. these dudes are going to be putting ice packs on their bodies like after this game. <laughs> I expect Rokon and Queen to go absolutely nuclear, like a level we have not seen in them before. I, yes. I really expect that. I wouldn't be surprised within the first couple of games you see Roquan either hit the quarterback hard or hit a wide receiver hard. I think Queen's going to get in the backfield as well. I think one of them is going to hit Najee Harris hard and kind of break like break his soul. I don't know why. I just have that, like, if you see it in the first quarter, if Najee Harris gets the ball running or something like that, I think they're, he's going to get hit by one of our linebackers who's going to break his soul. I also expect Jay Van Clowney to have a game-wrecking game, and I expect Kyle Van Noy to get another sack or two. I expect this defense to have a good game, and I expect our secondary to do enough. I expect our offensive line to also uh, have a great game, especially Tyler Lindenball. I don't, I don't know why. I feel like this is just going to be a really personal game for him. I don't, again, I don't know why. Now, I, I, <laughs> I want Ronnie Stanley to also just like prove that, like, hey, I know I've been injured. I know I've been doing all this other stuff. And I know the last time you saw me, I didn't have the best game. But I'm absolutely going to bully whoever's mm-hmm. in front of me, whether it be TJ Water, whoever is in front of me. I'm going to bully him and take him out of the game. So. I expect this to be kind of a ground and pound type of game. Like, um, yeah, I expect it to be a ground pound type of game, but I expect us to do well and handle our business. And if we do that in limited turnovers and more can play complimentary football again, even like be surgical again, or even go nuclear as well, then I think we win this game for sure. So, yeah, I, uh, I look, like I said, we're three and a half point favorites. We're favorites for a reason. I do think going into this game, recency bias, we're playing better. The, the, the positive media buzz is all around the Ravens and everything around the Steelers is negative. But I'll say it again. Throw the record books out. Throw out everything you know going into this game. This game is Ravens-Steelers, and it certainly looks like we're going to get a great matchup. Um, sure. I, that We could go on and on about this matchup, but I think we've said all that we need to. Josh, do you have any final thoughts before we move away from the NFL? 
win this game. I'm so sick of Steelers fans. Win this game, boys. <laughs> like, but this is like a college rivalry, or yeah, this yes. is literally just like a college rivalry. Like, you got to win this game, dude. Like, yeah, I th- we don't like them. They don't like us. There's a lot of respect. I do respect. I want to give like actually, actually nice things. I do respect them. I respect them as an organization, what they've mm-hmm. done for the game of football. I respect the Rooney family. I respect their local fan base for the most part. And I respect, yeah, I respect their fans. They're like, they're decent fans. I don't Pittsburgh's like them. A good, I Pittsburgh's don't. a good sports town. Good sports town. The people that I've met from Pittsburgh seem to be kind of nice for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's the ones outside of Pittsburgh that are kind of pains to deal with. But, you know, whatever. Um, I want to beat these guys so bad, though. So let's win this game yeah. and uh, we can have bragging rights until January 7th. Well said. Yeah. Uh, one last thing you mentioned, uh, you know, your thoughts or your feeling about one of the linebackers hitting Najee. Najee's a Bama guy and both of our linebackers are also SEC guys. So, yeah, you know, there's, sure. there's a little bit there as well. Yeah, I feel you, man. Um, I'm excited for this matchup. Obviously, I hope we win. Hope we go in and take care of business and uh, and we prepare for our London game uh, the following week. Yeah, um, for sure. All right, that is our NFL or Ravens, I should say, week five preview against the Steelers. Uh, Josh, briefly before we get here, let's talk some college football. We got more games this week. Yeah. Do you want to talk about anything like last week while I look over the slate real quick? Or um... the only the only thing the only thing that I had about last week that I wanted to bring up is how good a game we got in Notre Dame Duke matchup. Um, yes. it was really it was really unfortunate that Riley Leonard went down when he did and wasn't able to uh, to finish it out. I think he turned the ball over maybe on that play, so it was over anyway. But yeah. Um, Riley Leonard earned my respect t- 10 times over. He balled out. He's a dog. That dude is awesome. Uh, Coach Elko of the Duke Blue Devils, he's awesome. I love that guy. Yeah. He's he's dope. He's running a great program down there. I think Duke is going to be really good for years to come. Uh, and also, shout out Jordan Moore. Loyola Don got a touchdown. Yeah, I was going to mention him. I was going to mention him. Yeah, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say a couple of nice things about Duke, which I thought I'd never do in my life. Um, yeah, <laughs> great atmosphere. Great atmosphere in Durham for game day. Great atmosphere for the football game. They showed out and just was a – it looked like a fun atmosphere to be at. Um, mm-hmm. Duke's campus looked decent. It reminded me – it's scary how much Duke's campus reminded me of Loyola's campus just with the stone and everything. Yes, dude. Yes, I thought about that too. Yes. It's kind of disgusting, but, like, whatever. I guess it's fine. Um, and, yeah, Jordan Moore <laughs> had a great game. He's a really good football player, he's dude. Good. Like He's really he, uh, good, dude. He's really good. He's, I feel like every time I watch a Duke game and like I see him making plays, like oh yeah, Jordan Moore, you know, twelve yard slant, you know, twenty yards down. And I was like, oh okay, like kid's a good, really good football player. And I heard like a really good kid from like just around the mm-hmm. great country. He's just a really good kid. So shout out him. I hope he has a great college career even further on, even in pros. I hope he has a good career in pros if he ever decides to do that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and then Notre Dame, Sam Hartman is the real deal. Um, Say it louder. Sam Hartman's the real deal. Duke can ball. I think he has the Irish a really good position. Um, mm-hmm. Dude's a stud and like really good at football. Seems like a good guy. So, and probably going to be making millions yeah. in the next couple of years. So, shout out Notre Dame and the Irish. But moving on to games this week, uh, do you care about a Thursday night matchup? Liberty plays tomorrow on Thursday, 7 o'clock on CBS Sports. Um, yeah. Should be a good atmosphere. We have a really fun quarterback. I think he's worth watching. Uh, Caden Salters. Um, other matchups, college matchups. Um, Maryland, Ohio State, obligatory. I have to mention this because yes. both teams are undefeated. Um, as a Maryland fan, I will have this game on. I am cautiously like watching this game. It's either going to be a 40-point blowout or we're going to be in it to the fourth quarter. There is no in-between. Um, 
Although I think with our receivers and our skill position, we can actually make this a game. So Maryland, mm-hmm. Ohio State is going to be a fun one to watch. Red River shootout, Ohio, uh, Oklahoma at Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Fun game um, to really look out for. Another 12 o'clock game. Man, 12 o'clock slate's loaded right now. LSU at Missouri. Oh, yeah. Missouri's undefeated. I think they can be – I actually do think they can be LSU. Um, LSU had a great shootout game. Too. Yeah. Did you watch the LSU Ole Miss game last weekend? Or you catch any I watched of that? bits and pieces of it. Yeah, I caught a little bit of it, yeah. That game was fun. Um, really, really fun. Um, over a thousand yards offense, over a hundred points scored. That was a fun game. So LSU entertaining football to watch. Um, let me see another Saturday slate game. Kentucky at Georgia. Do not be surprised if Kentucky steals one in Athens. I Georgia has been okay. They're obviously the number one team in the nation. They haven't lost a game since I think twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. I think they lost right. one game. Yeah, and uh, but they can they have a tendency to get out to slow starts, and they somehow pull through. Um, if their offense isn't clicking or their defense gives up a play, don't surprise the Kentucky like steals one in Athens. Um, another game, Notre Dame at Louisville should be an interesting top like top twenty five matchup. And um, I'm trying to think if there was any other. I feel like there's one game I'm missing that has like major implications, but I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it covered most of the games for the most part. Um, yeah, that's – I'm looking at it right now. Those are, those yeah. are all of at least the top five games. Um, yeah. I mean, I you, you, hit on, you hit on all the ones that I had circled. I, the Red River game is going to be awesome, as it always is. Uh, I think Big Cat mentions it every year where this game's played. You just – you have to take the over. I know you can't bet. I'm just saying for, for all of us that do partake, yeah, uh, the over is, is a obligatory play. Ton of points in this game. If you're gonna if you're gonna watch and have fun, you you want points, especially it's, in this matchup. It's gonna be a fun game to watch. Gus Joss is probably gonna blow a gasket and just go crazy calling this game in some way, shape, or form. Like my favorite, my favorite thing about college football every single year is when there's that one game that just Gus Gus Johnson calls at twelve o'clock, and by like forty five, he's shouting random words into his microphone. Yeah, it's my absolute favorite. I love Gus Johnson. Um, I do too. The other game, I do too. The, the other game that I want to talk about this week is Maryland Ohio State game. Um, look, call me a homer, call me you know recency bias, whatever. I think Maryland can keep this thing close. I really do think that like Talia's playing well. Oh, Al McCord is not CJ Stroud, and I don't think that's a shot at Kyle McCord by any means. I just think CJ's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there was ever a year for Maryland to give the Buckeyes a run for their money, it might be this year. It's a it's, a massive, massive difference right now. They're a 19 and a half point dog uh, going into Columbus. But I think Lockley and the boys can at least give Ohio State a good game. I do too. The only reason I'm cautious is because it's the way. Um, and we never really play at Ohio State super well. But we almost won that game at home last year um, mm-hmm. against the Ohio State team that I think overlooked us for Michigan. So again, 100%. we do have and we are a better team now than I think we are last year. I think Talia has like settle in and become a really great quarterback for us. I think our skill position was a little bit better, like talent wise last year, but we're mm-hmm. playing more better football this year. So we'll see again. I would not be surprised if fourth quarter Maryland's only down seven with a chance to tie it up, like driving down the field. We'll see mm-hmm. what happens. I'm very, I, I think that they'll do well. So we'll see. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm definitely going to have it on. Uh, I'm have it. I'm gonna bring in another TV to my uh, to my main little living room down here, and have it on next to the Orioles game. The Orioles game starts, but yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a game that I'm gonna, I'm gonna circle and have have on for uh, Saturday afternoon. 
for sure, man, for sure. All right. Well, just that about wraps up all that I had to talk with you today about. Uh, you have final thoughts before we go ahead and get out of here? Nope. Just enjoy the sports weekend. Everyone stay safe. Big weekend for Baltimore, Maryland sports to so support all the hometown teams. If you're into that type of thing, I know I will be and I am. So uh, have a great weekend and um, let's go Ravens. Let's go O's. Let's go Terps. All right. Yeah. Like I said, if you guys are going to the yard, you plan on getting the pickles beforehand, they're going to open at 8 a.m., get there early, be ready for a long day uh, and, and, Try to become a, a win for those. Get ahead in the series, one nothing on Saturday. Like Josh said, support the home teams, Ravens, Orioles, Terps. Big weekend for us. Josh, appreciate you as always, brother. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Peace. Shout out, as always, to our guy, Josh Smith, for joining us this week, talking ball. He's been a great, tremendous addition to the Wave Podcast family. While Scott's been doing his adult thing, and who knows? He might even be sticking around when Scott comes back, and we might run some fully loaded episodes with all three of us. But for now, we'll kick it over to me and good friend, recurring guest, Mark Roach, to preview the MLB postseason. All right, we now welcome back to the show, friend of the pod, making his, I don't even know how many times you've been on at this point. You're, uh, you're a regular guest when, when it seems fit. Um, resident dad of the Wave podcast, our boy Mark Roach. Mark, how you doing, bud? I'm good, man. Happy to be back after a long time off, but... Uh... Summer's come and gone, but we got we got some exciting things to talk about. No Scott, unfortunately, but I'm happy to be back and thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Thanks for joining us. You're rocking the uh, you're rocking the O's bucket. You're officially on the bandwagon. October is orange. October is orange. I'm ready. October is orange, despite what the idiots in Philly would have you here. Uh, yeah, I, I love that you're on this bandwagon. Um, kind of kind of hilarious, being that you're you know born and bred Massachusetts guy. Boston Red Sox fan, but uh, look, I'm not going to complain. You, you have ties, right? You lived here for a little bit. You worked for Rick. I, I, I worked for, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're, I you're, have my ties and it's, it's cool to see like just how another fan base operates and obviously live vicariously through you, Scott, me, Garrett Mack on Twitter. Just, Oh yeah. I, it's a fun ride to get that other fans perspective and hopefully with some, uh, some big things to come at the end of October. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, look, nobody nobody wants this more than Orioles fans. I think we've been super vocal about it, maybe to to some people's uh, chagrin over the last month or so. Um, but yeah, I I'm super excited. Obviously, um, me and Josh, and even you know, just going back and forth on Twitter, not even on this program, but all of us Orioles fans, like we've been super outspoken about how much this team means to us and how much fun we've had this year and how special they are and how excited we are for this postseason run. Um, but anyway, for, for the listeners, that's why Mark's on today. We're going to preview the, uh, MLB postseason. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, Roach, the first game is on Tuesday, correct? Tomorrow at three 308, excuse gotcha. me, Texas. Gotcha. Tampa. So, so we're recording this on Monday night, Texas Tampa kicks off at three o'clock on Tuesday. Uh, this episode will come out Thursday morning. So we'll be a couple days into it, but, um, yeah, so we're here to, we're here to talk some postseason baseball. Um, Obviously, we are biased. We're a Baltimore-based show, um, and we're going to start with the Orioles. The Orioles are the number one seed in the AL, uh, coming off a 101-win season, first in the AL East, top the AL, second-best record in baseball, all that jazz. Um, I'm new to this because the Orioles have only ever won the division once in my lifetime before this, um, so I don't really know how to 
think about it or how to like feel about getting that first buy. Uh, but what do you think? Like, do you think you think that's going to be a problem? I because I honestly don't know. No, you clinch home field advantage for the playoffs. Well, for at least the American League side of it, I don't. Oh, the Braves got three wins out of them. So, yeah. if that was the World Series, they'd have three home games. But I think it's a huge advantage, especially with Opaki. Like that place is going to be rocking. Um, so I think it definitely helps. And I mean, time off's fine. You get the rest of the arms. I mean, mm-hmm. and just get to see. I mean, hopefully, I mean, postseason's all about pitching too. So teams that have to go through a two-game wild card or three-game wild card series get to get into that bullpen a little bit. So. I think it definitely helps for sure. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at too. The only really like point of concern that I had when it came to having that buy was like, I saw somebody mention it on Twitter earlier. They were like, um, you know, baseball is very like pushy when it comes to momentum and anybody could get hot in a, in a rather short amount of time. So like with the Orioles having that downtime and maybe, you know, it's the rest versus rust conversation. And, you know, for, for the way that the Orioles team is like, that was really the only thing that I thought about, but like, with how fucking gassed the bullpen has been for the last like couple weeks. Like, I think it's coming at a great time because like, like you said, the starters can get rested, the bullpen get rested. Some of the guys like Adley and Gunner who play damn near every day, whether it's DH or in the field, like gives them a chance to get off their feet and kind of, you know, catch their breath a little bit. So that's, I I think I stand with you. uh, But that was really the only thing that I I thought about. Um, Like from an outsider's perspective, Obviously, like I said, you're a Sox fan, a little bit at least. Um, yeah, they, I, they once I'm out, they just find a way to pull me back in. It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> I forget who said that quote, but it's the hope that kills you. They gave me a lot of hope from the trade deadline and didn't do anything, didn't add, and uh, yeah, we paid for it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, though, like not talking about the postseason for a second, just to take a step back. I think the Sox are going to be fine. Like I think this off season they'll be yeah. all right. Like they'll be fine. I Staff feel pitching is what they needed, and yeah, still need to. The lineup is a pretty good lineup. I mean, a couple homegrowns in there, a couple good signings, but just give me Blake Snell and Aaron Nola, maybe, maybe uh, Yamamoto. Yeah, I mean, I I would hate to see I mean, you guys get. Yeah, I would hate to see you guys Yamamoto, but uh, I mean, with uh, with uh, Masataki Yoshida there, I mean, it's it's an easy in. Um, yeah, I, I would honestly like if just from an outsider looking like from my per- perspective, I think the Sox are in a much better spot going into the offseason than the Yankees are. I think the Yankees have way too many Yankees issues to address. Just, yeah, it's bad. The fact that they came out today and said that Boone will be back next year, like that's the biggest mistake of them all. I just, I just don't think it's his fault, though. I see. I to think, I, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. I just think that well, I think Cashman deserves more shit than he gets. And oh yeah, but you I can't find the guys Boone... since like the nineties. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, it's a weird yeah. dynamic. It's a weird dynamic. Yeah, it's very weird. But like, I just think the way that Boone managed that team in some key spots, like I just don't think he's the guy personally. But you know, that's just me. Um. Anyway, going back to the postseason, Orioles or not, just in general, what are you looking for? Uh, like headlines, players to watch. What 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 Ooh. are you keeping your eye on from an unbiased perspective when it comes to the postseason? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of rookie young talent. Not even rookie, just young talent. Like you got the Alleys, you got the Gunners, you got Corbin Carroll. Um, trying to think, you got a like Acuna, just all those star names too. The pitching mm-hmm. seems to be like really, really good. Like I know 
like we'll get into the some of the matchups later, but like just the pitching, like and the injuries too. Like there could be a lot of upsets. Like the Marlin I the Marlins have decent pitching, the lineup's good, but like I don't know. Like it's gonna be there's just a lot of good headlines. I think if the Phillies can beat the Marlins, a Phillies Braves NLDS matchup or a rematch is gonna be sick just because like nobody expected the Phillies to do what they did. Um, I'd be interested to see how far the Phillies can take it again, just because that was a sick run last year. I mean, the Braves are a juggernaut. Like, I think the Brewers can get past the D-backs, and then Brewers-Dodgers, like, who knows? Like, they definitely have the pitching to do it. Um, not so much the lineup. I'd be interested to see how Christian Yelich can you know, carry that team from an offensive perspective. And then, obviously, the AL, you got the O's, like, all the hype on the O's. Like, I want to see them definitely capitalize. I mean, Rays Rangers, I think if I if they get the Rays, like, what was it, a few weeks ago, that was the matchup to decide the AL East and did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got the – why am I drawing it? Like, Blue Jays and – Twins. Twins, which, I mean, the Twins have a decent lineup, good pitching staff, and then you got the Blue Jays who – have a good lineup, good pitching. Like that's a good wild, it's a great wild card matchup. And then you mm-hmm. have uh the Astros who were struggling up until this last week and just pulled a couple strings, played a couple good ball games and obviously clinched the West. And I mean people people forget that the Rangers led the West for a very long time and now they got yeah, they didn't play great and they got that last wild card, I think it was. So I mean they were looking at home field advantage up until a week ago and then just kind of choked it. So I mean, that team is very, very good. So, I mean, there's a lot of very good teams in the postseason. I think more so on the NL side, like you got the D-backs and the Marlins that Mm -hmm. people are just like, nah, whatever. But you got the Phillies who went on a run last year and the Braves, Dodgers. Like, I think it's just going to – every postseason, like you just live for October baseball. Like, best time of the year, honestly, besides opening day and, I mean, spring trainings, whatever. But best time of the year and – who knows what we're going to see? I mean, there's going to be surprises everywhere. I think hundred percent. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think it, it as for as much as I love football and, you know, playoffs, Super Bowl time, whatever, like there is really nothing like postseason baseball. I mean, it's, this is the best time of the year. Postseason baseball, football's in the swing, college yeah, exactly. football's in the swing. Like hockey's about to start back up, even though, even mm-hmm. though I know you're not a hockey guy, but I mean, I'll be focused on, on playoff baseball till the last out for sure. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, regardless of how far the O's make it, like I've just been so much more invested in this season than I have in years prior because I've had a reason to be. Um, and yeah, it made it made me remember. Like this season made me remember why I love baseball so much. Um, but sure. yeah, you you talked about a little bit of the matchup. So I'm just gonna be straight up. Outside of like Christian Yelich, Sal Freelich, and Corbin Burns, I don't know anybody on this fucking Brewers team. Um, they got Josh Donaldson, which could be like a pretty they did good addition come this. Yeah. They picked him up a few weeks ago because the Yankees dropped him. So they picked him up for, I think, Shit. about, like, he was down in AAA, and then they called him up, and he's, like, he's hitting okay, but, like, you signed him to drive in runs in October. be interesting to see right. how he fits into that lineup. Like, I'm trying to think of who their third baseman is, but, like, the lineup's okay. Like, William Contreras, Wilson's uh, younger brother, was on the Braves. They got him in a trade this offseason. So, like, he's been hitting it well. Rowdy Tellez, um who's a shortstop, Willie Adamas, he used to be on the Rays. So, I mean, it's not like crazy names, but, I mean, they won the Central and I mean, playing for Craig right. Council, they seem to love it. 
bullpen's crazy. Devin Williams, a couple of rookies. I mean, you got Burns, Woodruff, who just got shut down for at least the first round, and Freddie Peralta. So, I mean, and that place is enclosed. So that'll be rocking tomorrow for sure. Yeah, that that's one stadium where, and I would think the same thing if Arizona was hosting that series. Like, either home team there is definitely going to have an advantage because, like you said, it's a it's a dome in in Milwaukee. Um, and for whatever reason, I feel like the Brewers fans like they show out. Like, I feel like they're a rowdy bunch. Oh yeah, because for I sure. Mean, I guess I that's guess the there is really nothing to do out there because Green Bay. Yeah, exactly. Like There's nothing really else there. to do except you know drink beer and eat cheese. Um, but. Yeah. Uh, I forget who's going for the D-backs in game one. Brandon, uh, I don't know how to say his first flat. name or last name. Yeah, he's a rookie. There's, this is rookie year. He's okay. Like, I think the Sox touched him up, which is saying something. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, no, he's okay. Like, I think he goes listening to uh, the radio or something, and they're like, obviously, you want to have your postseason lineup for this, like, uh, one, two, three. So I think it's gonna go three one two. Um, so I mean, okay. I mean, Gallon will go on Wednesday, and then Merrill Kelly, who I'm not a big fan of him since his WBC. Like he's nothing. Like nothing jumps out of you. Like Gallon's obviously right. a Cy Young contender. Um, that that lineup is uh, that, that lineup's young too. Like you got Christian Walker, who's raking this year. You got mm-hmm. uh, Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, and. I think Jake McCarthy out there and like Lourdes Gurriel. Um, you got Gabriel Moreno who came over from the Blue Jays. The bullpen's nothing too exciting. So like, I mean, if we're going picks, I'm going Brewers and Brewers and two. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you there. Um, like I, I don't, like I said, I don't know much about the Brewers and honestly, I don't know much about the, uh, the Diamondbacks either outside of Corbin Carroll. The fact that they're just a young team, uh, I think it'll be good for them. Like, I think they'll put up a fight, but I, I lean, I lean Brewers in two as well. Um, I, I think it'll be a fun series though. Corbin Burns starting. I mean, he's just fun to watch. He's like, yeah, he's one of those guys where like, obviously but, baseball being so like regional. Have, yeah. He did have the injury bug like here and there. And like, he was a like, trade deadline candidate and stuff like that. And like, but I mean, like I apparently he's healthy now, but I mean, who knows how that durability right. will hold up come like a deep October run. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that, like, going into the season, I wanted him, and Scott was banging the yeah. drum for him heavy. Like, there was a lot of talk of Corbin Burns to Baltimore, um, and I think the only reason that they didn't deal him was because they were in contention, and obviously it worked out for him. But, uh, no, that's a matchup that should be fun. Um, I'm not really, like, super keened in on it, but I feel like it, it's it's going to be tough because that, that matchup, whoever wins that is going to go into L.A., and the Dodgers yeah. are just – the Dodgers are a wagon. The Braves are a wagon on the other side. The NL, the NL, I really like, it feels like it's just going to be a collision course between those two. And from an AL's perspective, I hope they just, I hope that's a fucking 12 round slug fest, but yeah, just beat the shit out of each other for seven yeah. games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but on the flip side in the NL, um, the other matchup in the wild card, Marlins Phillies. Uh, I don't know a ton about the Marlins team. Um, I know uh, who's going for them in game one. I saw it earlier. I can't remember off the hey, top of my head. Jesus Lazardo, the lefty that used to be. Lazardo. Lazardo. Yep, you're right. And uh, Wheeler's going for the Phillies. So that I think that matchup could go three just because it's a divisional matchup. Yeah. They're familiar with each other. Both pitching staffs, I think, are comparable 
from what I know about the Marlins, and I know a, a good bit about the Phillies, just having a bunch of friends that are Phillies fans and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I but would, that, yeah, that, I would agree with you. I like think Phillies, I think the pitching I, stabs are pretty close. Uh, I think the Phillies probably have the edge as far as offense goes. Easy, easy. Yeah. Like, I think the Marlins have you know Jazz. They got Berger, Josh Bell, mm-hmm. and that's kind of and Jorge Soler. Don't forget him because he mashes. Like, oh true, that could yep. be a little scary. But I mean, Phillies. You got Harper. You got Schwarber. You got Bohm. You got Trey. Like, I'm excited for Trey back in the postseason. Honestly, like. Especially after he struggled this year and, you know, turned it around after the, the standing out um, mm-hmm. and just the pitching. Like, I don't know about their bullpen. Too. I, I think Kimbrell's their closer, one of the guys. Yeah. But I think I give the – it's going to be interesting, but I give the edge to the Phillies in three just because they've been there. But, I mean, who knows? Like, you could see the Marlins do a quick little three-game oh, upset. Yeah. Just yeah, like 100%. the Phillies did last year to Atlanta. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Daniel Jones just fumbled. What a bomb. Of course he did. <laughs> uh no, 100 percent I think I think that would be probably the biggest surprise in my opinion. I wouldn't be super shocked if Arizona comes out with a win over Milwaukee. Um, I think I would be more surprised, like I yeah. said, if, if Miami ends up beating Philly. Just because, like you said, Philly went on that run last year. It's largely the same team. Uh they went out their 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 free agent deadline or excuse me, trade deadline acquisition was Michael Lorenz, and I was talking to a buddy who said they're probably going to end up moving him to the bullpen for the postseason, which I think makes sense. Um, yeah, that long relief. But, I mean, I think he yeah. I mean, obviously threw the no-hitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the 126 pitch one, but I saw some tweet, and it was like he hasn't been the same I think since. it was. I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's funny because my friend that I was talking to said the same thing. Like, ever since that no-hitter, he's been ass. So, but I think the, it, the, the dynamic shifts because – you know, listening to guys like Ben McDonald and Kevin Brown talk about it with the Orioles when we moved Jack Flaherty to the bullpen, it kind of and and even before that with uh, Fujinami, like they can kind of just go tunnel vision and like empty yeah. the tank for those four outs or whatever they're going to get. So I, I think I don't know. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I do think Michael Lorenzen is good. And he was a guy that I thought the Orioles probably should have gone after at the deadline. Um, but who knows? Uh, and then, like I said, with the Dodgers and the Braves, it feels like those two are just in a level of. Their I mean, own. I will. Yeah, I will say with that uh, Phillies Marlins, I was reading. I've just been sitting at work and just having left MLB.com. And like Marlins <laughs> took the this, this season series. Uh, and dude, tomorrow's just going to be a, a war zone. I'm probably going to get yelled at. But I mean, I'm going to have my phone. I'm going to have my phone. I would think I have ESPN on my computer. So I'm just going to be double boxing it and then racing home to watch those night games. Nice touchdown DK. Um, yeah, I just, I, I live for this. So it's going to be a good time. And then, yeah, I mean, Phillies, Phillies do play up to the Braves. Like I think hundred mm-hmm. percent, I'd like to see that like the, if they do advance, like they obviously do the breakdown. Like I think the Phillies, you know, did play obviously well against the Braves this year. So, I mean, they're not, they're not scared. Yeah. They've, yeah, they did it last year, and they're probably they probably want to do it again this year. Yeah, and knowing the guys that are in that clubhouse for Philly, like guys like Bryce Harper, and looking back at the beginning of the year with the World Baseball Classic, Trey Turner is a guy that plays up to the moment, and obviously we yeah. know Bryce does that. So if there's anybody that could upset either the Dodgers or the Braves, I feel like Philly is that team. But, I mean, hey, I don't want to count the Marlins out just yet. They got to get through Miami. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, all right, so let's move over to the AL now. Um, so you talked about the matchup between the twins and the blue Jays. I'm, 
just I, I didn't really see a lot of Twins baseball this year. I don't really think that AL Central was anything special, obviously. Um, I went to one of the games when Minnesota came to Baltimore. It was like a Friday night game uh, and they whooped our ass. They beat us like eight to two or something. Uh, I don't I think Kramer pitched that night and he wasn't on and we just we couldn't get the bats going. It was kind of rainy. So whatever. But um, I think I think Toronto is just a better team. Um, obviously, I've seen a lot of Toronto this year, as have you. Um, right. Gosman going game one. That lineup, George Springer, I don't know if he's healthy or not. I think he is. I think he was back towards the end of the regular season. Uh, he was, I remember in, in Houston, he was like Mr. Postseason for them. He's just a killer he's when monster. he gets walked over. Yeah. So having him in the lineup, Vladdy Jr., if he can, you know, be that offensive spark that he's supposed to be. Uh, has Bo Bichette come yet? Come back yet? Yes, he's back. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Like um, that, Matt, Chap- Matt Chapman at third, like yep. hasn't been in the playoffs yet, but like, He's fine. You got Varsho, mm-hmm. who's Matt Kiermaier. Like, you got some dogs, but I wouldn't count the Twins out because, like, they're pitching. I think those are the two best pitching staffs in the AL, I want to say, this year. Okay. I mean, the Twins got, you know, Sonny Gray. They got Pablo Jorge Lopez. Lopez. Or, sorry, Pablo. Jorge was a Oriole. Um, yep. Pablo, like, played for the Marlins last year. Like, it's not gonna jump out at you, but I mean he's a dog, and then you got Kentamaida, maybe. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I mean that lineup, like you got Buxton, who I don't think is completely healthy, which is a which is a blow, or at least hasn't played the outfield this year, which is mm-hmm. un- unfortunate. But you got um, you got Royce Lewis, you got Correa, you yep. got um, a bunch of like a couple of rookies out there. As much as I want, like, I want to say Twins in three. Really? Like, oh, I'm looking at it right here. Like, yeah, you got, like, Ryan Jeffers, like, Edward Julian, Max Kepler, Alex Kirloff, like, not crazy Christian Vasquez, um, which isn't, like, anything to write home about. But, like, you look at the Blue Jays, and it's just just stupid. Honestly. Yeah, I just, I, I just like, you look in, in, in a dude-off, like, Toronto is yeah. a runaway, you know, I, and that's just yeah. that's kind of where I see that that matchup going. Uh, my prediction is Toronto and two, um, but I, I, I it would it be is, it is in Minnesota. It is in Minnesota, is. and they love their ball. So I, I think I'm gonna go smart here and go Blue Jays in three, just because that lineup is just okay. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's that's smart. That's smart. Just I, I don't know. I before the season I was really high on the Blue Jays. Um, so, and I'm not going to back off of them now. I think they're really good. I think they, I don't know how they've performed lately, but like getting, getting Boba Shett back is huge. Getting George Springer back and a hundred percent is big for them. And I mean, obviously I'm a big Kevin Gosman guy. I was a big Kevin Gosman guy when he was in Baltimore. I've remained since he's left. I think he's incredibly talented. Um, so I think he's going to set the tone for them game one. And I, I don't know after that, I think it's just going to be all offense for the blue Jays from there. The last wild card matchup, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, Tampa and Texas. Um, this one, I think, could be the most fun wild card matchup. I think these are probably the two best teams playing in the wild card round. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. By far. T- Tampa in, Bay. In obviously, Tampa, like, though, what a shame. I know. It's, like, it is Tampa, such a shame. Like, that, the, the Trop is such a fucking dump. I hate the fact that they have so to bad. host this. It's so it's, bad. it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, but anyway, the pitching matchup for that game, uh, or excuse yeah, for game one is Glass now versus Montgomery. 
that's going to be a great game. That's going to be a great matchup. And obviously the lineups uh, is, has Josh Young come back for Texas yes. or no? Yes, he, he is back. Okay. That's what yeah, I thought. That lineup uh, is good. <laughs> I mean, I, if we're going do it off again, I give it to Texas easily. Easily. Yeah, I, like, I agree. Cause as far as names go, like Tampa, like you have, you have Randy, you have Yandy and I mean, that's kind of it. They lost, they yeah. lost Brandon Lau. He's out for, I think they said the rest of the season, which I think is going to hurt yeah. their lineup significantly. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to be super, super fun. Um, I don't really, Scherzer's not pitching, correct? He was hurt and they shelved him. Yeah. I think he's, if they like, I think they're going to take it series by series. I'd like to see him come back. I mean, just, I mean, yeah, me too. In the playoffs, but I mean, you got Montgomery, Martin, Rivaldi. Martin Perez, mm-hmm. like that's yep. a good rotation. Bullpen, super shaky. Yeah. Very yeah. shaky. So as a um, unbiased O's fan for this October, I'd like to see Texas win. And then, I mean, that bullpen's nothing to really write home about. So I think they could definitely do some damage. Yeah. Or, sorry. I, uh... create, create chaos. What's your, what was the mantra last year? Chaos is coming. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Something about something chaos. Like that. But uh, yeah, so I'm on the other side actually. I'm gonna say Raisin three. Um, okay. I think I think I think Glass now. The last time that I watched Glass now pitch was in um, the second game, no third game in that series in Baltimore when we lit him up for like eight runs in three innings or something. Yeah, like I was that. watching that. I was watching yeah. that game. Gunner, Gunner took him deep. We just we touched him up pretty good. Uh, I don't know what he's done since then, but my prediction is going to be Rays in three for that, setting up a Rays Orioles ALDS with Baltimore having a um, home field. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like earlier, watching that in whatever it was a few weeks ago, like that was for the AL East and mm-hmm. the O's showed up. Like I, I thought that was a great series. I mean, I would like to see that again too. Like that'd be, I think that would be sick, but 100%. I want to give the advantage to Texas just because. That's fair. That lineup, you got Sam, you got Semyon, you got Seager, mm-hmm. um, like Seager, Seager quietly great. having like an unbelievable year. I feel like he does that every year. Like he just quietly has yeah. a, a like a top five at the position season offensively and defensively. He's just like and don't such forget a about superstar. Anadolis Garcia, thirty nine jacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, that's that's gonna be a a really really fun series this week. Um, all right, so. We cover the wild card. Now we could just talk about the Orioles for a little bit, obviously. Um, losing Felix Batista is kind of where my mind goes back to. I think that's going to be a massive uh, absence for the O's. Um, I saw a stat today uh, that I'll bring up. The Orioles bullpen's ERA in 128 games through August 25th when Felix Batista tore his UCL was 3.55. In the 34 games since then, the Orioles bullpen ERA is 3.54. Obviously the Orioles haven't played a super tough schedule in that span, but look, they've they've been in a bunch of high leverage situations and they went through that one, I think it was like a 17 day stretch where they didn't have an off day and they had to labor. Some guys had to like, you know, they were pitching yeah. on no days rest, throwing 15, 20 pitches back to back days. Um, I think that's significant because, and I talked about this with my buddy Josh a couple of weeks ago when it happened, the Orioles play a lot of tight ball games. So having a guy like that, that can just come in and shut the door in any situation is it's massive. And I think his absence is definitely going to be felt, but that being said, I think they've done the whole closer by committee thing pretty decently. Like I think who's technically the guy 
So I think it's technically connected. I hope it's not Fuji. No, oh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Fuji is a dog, though. I saw him pitch, obviously, with Oakland this year. I was pumped mm-hmm. when you guys got him. Stone Chatter. I know, like, the control was an issue, but, I mean, he seems to have it figured out, which is nice, and Cano's filthy. I'm still I'm still a Fuji guy. Like, I, I believe in him. I, I, I do want to see him on the postseason roster because I think – it's 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 all mental like the control even is just it comes back to like are you gonna get good fuji or bad fuji he could throw 103 miles an hour he's got a wipeout splitter at like 92 that he could back off the 102 103 fastball like i think i think there's definitely a a a place for him on the postseason roster um it's just a matter of if he can dial it in and be good for you know three outs four outs at a time when you need him but yeah cano is cano is going to be the guy um fuji will probably be like that mid to late reliever spot like a sixth seventh inning guy most likely um i personally think if it's if it's not going to be cano i think it's i think it's tyler wells since he came back up dude really yeah since he's come back up he has been lights out and i don't know how closely you paid attention to the o's and what he was doing in the beginning of the season not really i yeah i figured was he the starter um, he was. And through the first, okay. like, basically through June, he was our best starter. Like he had, he had the best ERA. I think he had the most strikeouts on our starting rotation. Like his whip was really good. Like he was, he was balling. And he even said it, uh, they were talking to him on the broadcast during, I think Saturday's game. Um, fatigue just set in and he had, he had like exceeded his innings limit or innings count from like the year prior in like the middle of June. So he was just gassed and I think he was dealing with a shoulder thing. So they sent him down to double A to get work and they just called him back up like two weeks ago. Um, but he's, he has that like fiery, like bulldog fuck you attitude that like you need in a closing situation. So I think if it's not going to be Cano, it'll be Tyler Wells. Um, and, and I think he came in and closed maybe Friday night, either Friday or Saturday night. And like struck out the side through like 12 pitches was touching like 95, 96 with his fastball. Um, he's, he's, he's definitely a guy that I have my eye on in the postseason because he could, he honestly he could be a difference maker. And like I said, without Cano and again, a, with a team that plays a bunch of close ball games, you're going to need a guy like that. Um, and DL Hall too. I think DL Hall has solidified. Yeah, I, thought, himself. I think he's always been a dude. Like, mm-hmm. I think I was watching, like over the summer, early fall, and I was watching an O's game, and DL Hall stepped up, something like ninety nine. Texas Scott, I yeah. was like, I was like, what? Where did this come from? <laughs> like, and dude, he cut, and he cut the hair, so I mean, that might have been it. But no, like he looked good. I think, I think his first inning he was good. It might have been against the Yankees, and he got touched up. Um, okay. But I mean, at least the stuff was there. Like I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, he 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 can shove, man, and he was he like I've. For as as high that basically everybody in Baltimore has been on Grayson Rodriguez since he's been with the team, I've been just as high on DL Hall because DL obviously is a lefty and having that you know the velocity and and the stuff from the left side is just m- much more dynamic. But yeah, I mean he's touching ninety seven, ninety eight. He'll get to ninety nine every now and then with the fastball. He's got a good changeup. He's got good breaking stuff. Uh, his issue was just the command. Like he was walking a bunch of guys in spring training, and that's why he started down. I think he started in, in triple, double A or triple A. I can't remember. Um, and then he got hurt, so they sent him down to like rookie ball to rehab. He was there for like three months or something not, in the beginning of the season. Not Aberdeen. They didn't send him to Aberdeen. No, Todd. Uh, Todd wasn't you know picking DL up from his from his apartment every day. Um, 
but uh, yeah, he worked his way back towards the end of the season. He got to, he got back to Norfolk and he was shoving. Um, and then I think he came up cause somebody got hurt in the bullpen. I don't remember what, what the deal was, but over the last like month, dude, he has absolutely solidified himself as a surefire dude when it comes to the bullpen. And he's a guy where like, if Cano is going to be your closer, or even if it's Wells, DL should be your setup. Like DL to me is your eighth inning guy because having a guy that can pump 98, 99, you know, give, give cheese to the, to the batters at some point, like set up your closer one, two, three, get to the ninth inning and, and, you know, let Tyler Wells go from there. Or, or if it's Cano, then it's Cano, but yeah, uh, those are, those are the guys that I'm looking forward to to watching in October in the bullpen, obviously on the other side, like Adley, Adley in the, in the postseason, I think is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait watching him behind the plate. Just like, quarterback this team is going to be fun and i i know you feel the same way basically all of baltimore has been saying this for the last like month you know guys like you like baseball guys feel the same way i think exposing a national audience to gunner henderson during october is only going to ignite his stardom i mean if if gunner has a game where he makes you know a couple web gem type plays it short he hits a monster home run or, or, you know, a clutch double or something like that. And, you know, Gunner's a fiery dude. So like, he just naturally has that energy and charisma. But if, if the national media gets a hold of that, man, he's, it's going to go. And are, I've been saying people for a forgetting while about uh, Cedric as well. Cause I think he's, I think, yeah, people are sleeping people on Cedric. Are sleeping on, don't sleep on him. I mean, O'Hearn, not mm-hmm. Ryan McKenna. Um, <laughs> who's your, Who's your right fielder? Our right fielder. Uh, I mean, we have Tony Santander. Uh, O'Hearn plays right. out there. We have um, who else plays out there? Mountcastle, Austin Hayes. I mean, he's a left mm. fielder, but you know, same deal. Yeah, man. This this Orioles team. I mean, but you you know, you brought up Cedric. People forget Cedric was on the World Baseball Classic team. Like Cedric is Cedric is that dude, and he. I know his numbers aren't super great if you look at him just on paper, but he was hurt though, wasn't he hurt? He, yeah, he missed a good amount of time. He had a groin injury, and then it sort of came back, and he had a quad or a hamstring or something along those lines. But Cedric has been pretty clutch all year. He had the game early in the season where he, like, hit for the cycle, and it was a grand slam, I think, to to. But Scott was at that game, right? He was. He was. Lucky son of a bitch. That's <laughs> insane. That's unreal. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm super pumped for this Orioles team. My uh, Outside of the, you know, the rest aspect, like I mentioned at the top, the only other real concern that I had for this team was lack of postseason experience just because they're so goddamn young, you know, like I completely yeah. forgot to mention Heston Kerstad just came up, but like Tony has only Tony has never been to the postseason and he's kind of like the vet on the team. Cedric Mullins, right. same deal. I think he might've gone once if, but no, I don't think he was on that 2016 or 2014 team. No, 16? Uh, no, no. 16 he might have been on that 16 team maybe but i don't even think he was uh who else hayes again another vet who vet for the orioles terms never been to the postseason um the only guys that we really have with postseason experience are kyle gibson who we brought in from philly last year um i think having him whether he's a starter whether he's in the bullpen or whether he's just kind of like a you know a player coach type deal i think having him in the clubhouse is going to be huge um uh adam Adam frazier yep we brought in frazier so what are your what's your thoughts on adam frazier 
like so, are you satisfied with this production or like in the beginning kind of the in the beginning when we signed him i was very much like okay i would have rather signed basically anybody else um and then he started to play well he had a, he had a bunch of clutch hits like early on in the season so i was like all right i'm i'm yeah. i'm in on fraser and then he he went through like a cold path and i was like okay fuck this guy get him off my team and especially because he's blocking Westberg from coming up when he was right. playing super poorly. And then uh, now I've come back around to where I'm like, okay, he's not necessarily an everyday player. He gets in a lot, but he's not really an everyday guy. Um, you know, lefty bat. He's come up clutch. Uh, he's not going to hit a ton of home runs, but he'll, he'll knock you a couple base hits. He's decent on the bases, which is going to be important in October. Um, so I'm, I'm a little to the optimistic side of indifferent when it comes to Adam Frazier. Um, so he's another guy with postseason experience on the team. And then Aaron Hicks, who has been super up and down for the Orioles. But I mean, I think, I think better having than, him and better than his Yankees stint. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he's certainly been better than he was in the Yankee with the Yankees, but I think he's going to be a guy where come October, come the postseason, like he, his postseason experience, because he's got a good bit of it is going to be invaluable because like, not only has he been on postseason teams, like he's been on teams that have gone deep into the playoffs and have won a bunch of yeah. games in the playoffs. So like having him sort of be the elder statesman, of, this is how we have to approach this, you know, this situation and, you know, with the buy and going on the road in the postseason, playing in hostile environments, things like that. Like, I think having a guy like him is, is going to be huge for this clubhouse, especially because, you for know, sure. like I said, you have guys like Adley, Gunner, Jordan Westberg, Heston Kerstad, guys that are super fucking young, Grayson, DL, like guys that are super young, like, you know, 24 ish, 20 gunners, 22 years old. Like these, oh, and that and, makes me and, feel terrible about myself. Oh, makes Yeah. It makes me feel old as balls and God forbid, I don't think it's going to happen, but God forbid uncle Mike calls up Jackson holiday for the postseason. There's run. no way. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> I don't think it's likely, no either. Way. but I did see a video the I mean, other day. They just won a triple a national championship. I was going to say, I saw a video after that game ended, after the championship game in Vegas ended, they were doing the, the whole dog pile, jumping up and down next to the mound. And he was like kind of on the outside, like keeping everybody like to, you know, not get jumped on. So who knows? Maybe he knows something that we don't. Now, who's your third baseman? Is it Arias? Yeah. You never know. Look, um, I, my he, question I, to you, quick yeah, question. Yeah, on me. How do you feel about your starting pitching outside of G-Rod? And is John Means going to start? Or is he yes. kind of like a long relief? I feel That's a huge pickup. I feel really, really good about our starting pitching. Knock on wood. Um, the last couple weeks, like recency bias, just looking at the last like few weeks, month or so. John Means, his, his first start, he struggled a bit. Um, but it was, I mean, it was his first start back. And even then, you know, he didn't really pitch all that poorly. Um, Bradish is going to be your ace. He's going to be your number one. He has been lights out. I think his his ERA is like 0.22 higher than Garrett Cole's. Like he's he's got a he's got a sub two seven ERA, which is, where does he come like how? So he's a rookie. Technically, last year he was he was called up and he played a bunch, but I think this year is technically his rookie year. We got him in the Dylan Bundy trade from the Angels. So yeah, talk about a fleece job. Um, but yeah, he's he's going to be your number one. He's been lights out basically all year. Grayson will be your two. I've loved what I've seen from him over his last few starts. Same, same. He's like that that uh, that eight inning outing that he had. I think against against, Tam against Tampa. Yeah. 
Is there Glasgow, I mean, Glasgow uh, G-Rod? Yes, you're right. That was like bulldog ace type shit from him that, that if we can bottle that and get even a fraction of that in the postseason, I mean, sign me up. And then, yeah, John Means, John Means probably going to be your three. Um, he pitched in, he pitched a really, really good game in Cleveland a couple weeks ago. And then his last outing, he looked really good as well. He didn't get the win, but I think he went seven plus and he only gave up two runs. Um, so John means, yeah, John means definitely going to start in the, in, in the postseason. That fourth spot is really up for grabs. Like it's either going to be, it's either going to be Kramer or it's going to be Bradish. And frankly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset with either one. It's just a matter of, you know, matchups and where Hyder wants to go with it. But yeah, that's that's what the Orioles are looking at as far as pitching goes. The only real concern that I have is the bullpen because if our if starters get into a little bit of trouble and we got to use five six arms, we've seen what the Orioles do in situations where they don't have a ton of rest in the bullpen. So that is a little bit of a concern. But I'm confident with those guys and how they're pitching um, that they'll be okay. Because, like you know, like I said, when we're talking about the bullpen, like DL is a dude. Um, Cano is a dude. Wells is going to be good. Uh, Coulomb, Danny Coulomb has pitched really well out of the bullpen really all year. Mm. If if Fuji gets a spot, I, I'm like I said, I'm a Fuji guy. I'm confident in him. Jack Flaherty, if he gets a spot, I think he'll be fine. Uh, CNL Perez over the last like month and a half has been really good. Yeah. So, no, I, I feel good about the Orioles. It, I feel good about the Orioles pitching, I should say. Let's go. Love to hear that. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for Me too, man. A deep Me too. October is orange for a reason. Now it's really orange. You're damn right. Uh all right. That uh that was really all that I had when it came to postseason preview. Roach, uh, before I ask you to make a final prediction, do you have any final thoughts? Mm, uh no, not really, honestly. All right. Final prediction the World Series winner. Yeah. Give it give me your matchup, your AL winner, your NL winner, and who takes it. I'm gonna go Baltimore, Atlanta. Okay. And as much uh, I want to say the O's, I really, really do, because I want to go to the parade. I just think the Braves are just stupid good, like way too good. Braves are a wagon, dude. You're not going to get any oh, argument gonna, out of me. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I got to go Braves and I don't know. I don't know a game, but a amount of games, but I think you guys do get there. I think okay. you guys are playing a great year. Um, I think you guys get there. I mean, who knows? You guys could win in, in seven or even – and six at Opaki, I think you guys are in sleep for weeks. No, no, absolutely. I'd have to call out of work. I'd be taking PTO and sick days like it, like you wouldn't believe. But yeah. no, that's fair. Like I, I, the Braves obviously pose the biggest threat to anybody, Orioles or otherwise. They're just so goddamn good. Strider, Elders. I mean, that lineup with Acuna and Albies and, you know, Matt, uh, Matt Olson and like it's just Austin Riley. Sean awesome, Murphy. Riley. It, dude, Ozuna it's top the from bottom. the Braves. They're just so goddamn good, man. Yeah. Um, but no, that's that's a fair prediction. My prediction. I want to say the O's so bad out of the AL, but I have them losing to Houston in the ALCS. 
I think. Oh no! Don't send Houston back to the World Series. I think we get. Hey, hold on. Here's your or finish your thought, and I have a dream World Series for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So I think Houston's gonna take it in seven. Uh, that ALCS. And I have Atlanta going to the uh, going to the World Series against Houston, and I have Atlanta winning in six. Okay. No, I mean, I mean the, the Astros there for they won the West again, mm-hmm. so they're there for a reason. They've been there, they've done that. Like they got Verlander back, so I mean, yep. you do like it's a fair point that they. I mean, would anybody be shocked? No, I think we're kind of sick of it to this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least they go to the ALCS again and be like, ah. Oh. Like again, but I mean that lineup yeah. is they have dudes too, Jordan, Altuve, Bragman, like Kyle Tucker. Like it just doesn't stop with them either. So mm-hmm. I would not be yep. shocked, honestly. And they have the pitching again. Right. A dream Dante Fred's a dream world series is I don't know if you technically call it the Beltway, but it's always Phillies. It's always Phillies. Yeah. And you don't I mean, lose. I guess you don't lose. Look, look, I'm not gonna sit here and accept this blasphemous statement that I I don't understand where it comes from. I'm not. A, in fact, I hate Philly sports. Like I, I despise the Philly sports teams to my core. I hate them. That being said, I think it's because you went to school there. You And I don't know, yeah, you, I, you, you frequent in Philly. I mean, it's a great city. Don't get me wrong. It's a great city. Um, But yeah, Scott has just perpetuated this narrative that I'm a Philly guy, which Scott, As Scott's a bigger... Yeah. Scott's a bigger Philadelphia Phillies guy than I am. He he was big on Michael Lorenzen. He loves Bryce Harper. Like he's he's the Phillies guy. But anyway, I wow. I digress. Um, no, a uh, 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 Orioles Phillies matchup would be sweet because uh, yeah. the last time the Orioles were in the World Series was 1983 when we beat the Phillies. So that'd be pretty sick. Little right, little rematch. Thirty years later, <laughs> or forty that forty years later. Something like that. I'm not gonna. Yeah, math. You, you get it. Math. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, Roach. That's all I had, brother. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I really appreciate it. Always good talking ball with you. And uh, hey, when you guys come down for uh, for some playoff baseball, you let me know, and we'll go get orange crushes at pickles. For sure. I don't think I've ever had an orange crush yet. The Scott's wedding. I don't remember um, <laughs> anything. So. Well, we, pickles has yeah. the best one. Let's go. That'll Hell be yeah. that'll be in the works. I think that ballpark food too, like a crab cake pretzel. I, I've been hearing about. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I'm all in. So yeah, the the text will be we'll be in we'll be in contact. So for sure. Go O's. October is orange, and uh, thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. Go O's on Roach. Appreciate you, brother. Take care, man. Later, man. Appreciate it. Peace. Big shout out to Rochi for jumping on and talking baseball with us. It's going to be a great postseason run, not even just for the Orioles, just in general. Playoff baseball is awesome, and I'm so glad that it's here. I'm so glad that the Orioles are in it, and uh, you know we can actually partake in the fun. Last order of business, as always, week five NFL best bets. I'm going to go ahead and lay them out here. If you're listening to this on Thursday, shout out to you for joining in early. My first play of the week is Chicago and Washington under 44 and a half. Washington has put up a lot of points this year. I know that. I don't think they're as good as they may seem. I think they're playing a little bit above their heads currently. I think water is definitely going to find its level at some point, whether it's this week or not. Um, And obviously, we know about Chicago. That place is a fucking dumpster fire. Nothing good is happening right now. They played really well last week against Denver, albeit it's Denver. I think Washington's defense is a little bit better than Denver's right now. Um, 
I just don't know if I trust Sam Howell on a short week against Chicago, Chicago against Washington on a short week. Um, this one, it feels like the under, the number's just too high for me. Um, and also primetime unders trend unders are hitting at like 70 plus percent right now in primetime games. Uh, so I'm going to play the under 44 and a half. My second play is the London game. Second straight week with the London game. Second straight week with the Jags in London. I'm going to take the under 49. Uh, back to the well with the London under. Uh, last week, under came home. Shout out to me for giving that out. Um, I think this Bills defense is really, really good. They held Miami last week to 20 points. I know it's 20 points, but Miami's offense is really good. I think like number one or number two offense going into last week. And the Bills held him to 20 points. And that was without Von Miller. Von Miller might be back for this game. And if he is, I like this under even more. But Buffalo playing in London, we don't know how they're going to adjust. Uh, I think the under here, the number is really high. I think a lot of people are on Buffalo. A lot of people are expecting the total to be high because Buffalo just put up 48 last week. Um, I think this is a really good spot to get an under at a good favorable number. I also lean to the Jags plus the points here. They were five and a half earlier. It might have moved it up. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I probably won't take this one. Um, but this, like I said, feels like a spot where everybody's going to be on Buffalo. I looked earlier, 84% of the tickets and 73% of the money were on the bills. So that tells me the public's all over them, but the sharps might not be. Like I said, it's just a lean. I don't know if I'm going to end up taking this or not come Sunday morning, but if I were to pick a side, I would pick the Jags with the points, but I'm definitely going to take the under. My next pick for Sunday, another under it's three straight. I'm going to take the under in the Arizona and Cincinnati game. Whether Joe plays or not, I think this under is definitely alive. Cincinnati's averaging 12 and a quarter points per game right now through the first four. Uh, the Cardinals play hard and they've put up points. Josh Dobbs is balling. He's on fire. But um, like I said, whether Joe plays or not, that offense has not shown me really anything. They only put up 19 against the Rams and the Rams outside of Aaron Donald don't really have a ton of playmakers on that defense. And I think the Cardinals, similar to Washington, are playing a bit above their heads, but I think they differ from Washington because I think they're really well coached. I think Gannon, for as much of an idiot that he looks and sounds in the media, I think he's decent, uh, at least when it comes to defense. And I mean, he's got them playing hard. So shout out to them. Uh, but anyway, I like the under 44 and a half here. Another lean in this game, I lean to the Cardinals with the points. Um, this is more just a fade on Cincinnati. They have shown me nothing to be faithful in them. I may take this one come Sunday afternoon, um, but really work. What it comes down to for this one is Arizona will absolutely give you 60 minutes of tough football. I think they're going to keep this thing close. And especially if Joe's out and I'm still getting three points all day, but with Joe, like, like I said, they have not shown me anything. It's been four games now and they haven't figured it out. Joe's hurt. Obviously Jamar chase is pissed off. Uh, I lean to the Cardinals with the points. My next pick here, I'm going to take Houston plus two and a half at Atlanta. We talked about it with Josh previewing the game against, or excuse me, with the Steelers this week for the Ravens. Uh, they beat up on Pittsburgh last week, just absolutely dominated them on all three phases of the game. For 60 minutes straight, they just beat up on the Steelers. CJ Stroud is having a historic start to his rookie year. He's playing really well. Um, I was high on the Falcons coming into the season. I still think they are a good team, but. Desmond Ritter just flat out is not the guy. You could tell that Arthur Smith doesn't trust him. Um, I don't think he lasts the season as a starter. I think within the next two, three weeks, it'll be Heineke, or they might even make a trade and go out to get a guy. Um, regardless, he's not the dude. He's not going to be the, the guy to lead them to a division-winning uh, team in a division that is wide open right now. 
I'm going to take Houston with the points. Might even take them straight up. Don't know yet. My next pick, 49ers, Sunday night football versus the Dallas Cowboys at home. I'm going to lay the three and a half with the 49ers. Flat out, the Niners are just the better team. Better defense, better offense. Uh, I think not having Trayvon Diggs in this game for the Cowboys is going to hurt significantly. Brock Purdy, who, say what you want about him, he's winning football games. He's doing everything that he has to. He's not turning the ball over. I think this is a great spot for the Niners. You're going to get them at a good number because of how good the Cowboys have looked against maybe not the best opponents so far through the season. And also, another thing that kind of stood out to me when I was looking at this game, there's a stat out there right now. I don't know the exact empiricals, but there's a stat out there comparing Dak's quarterback rating when he's leading versus when he's trailing. When the Cowboys are winning in games, I think Dak is like number two or number one in the league in QBR. He's very high up there. I think he was maybe number two behind Tua. Um, And when he's trailing, he's like bottom five in the league, like basement. Um, Now, obviously, it's a bit skewed here because when you're trailing, you're going to throw the ball more and more opportunities to make mistakes, whatever. But take that for what it's worth. Dak's only thrown, I think, one interception on the season, so he's done a good job of that. But this Niners defense flies around. Hufanga, Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, Fred Warner. I mean, these guys are dudes. And like I said, I think this is, you're getting a really good number with the Niners here. I'm going to get it at three and a half if it's not up to four already. Um, but jump on this one early. Last pick. Uh, my teaser came home for you guys last week. Again, shout out to me. I got another teaser for you. This one's even money, eight point teaser. First team I'm teasing up. I'm taking the Texans up from two and a half to eight and a half. Second team, I'm going to tease the Lions down from nine to one. And the last team, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Dolphins are currently a 10 and a half point favorite against the Giants. I don't remember who the Lions play, so forgive me. Um, but the Dolphins are a 10. Oh, Lions play Carolina. I'm going to take the Dolphins down from 10 and a half to two and a half against the Giants at home. That is currently, like I said, even money at most books right now. Get it where you can. Get Make sure you get through those key numbers if you're going to place the teaser. Those are my best bets this week, NFL Week 5. Bet responsibly, and good luck.
Find that you got my eye, pull me close. 